the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Top 5 wrestlers in MMA from a standing position with Ed Gallo. We went deep on this one, folks, so strap in. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you could find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA, but we do it in a bit of a different way as I stumble there because it is a bit of a different time, right? Not to timestamp these shows too much, but yes, we are in the year of 2020. Uh, COVID-19 has kind of run a, a, a hamper in sports scheduling, and as it picks back up, figured we'll lean on the uh, old top five format to, uh, to, to, to uh, you know, Kind of appreciate history, look back on some things, and for today's episode, which is going to be top five wrestlers from a standing position, I'll explain both the topic and the caveat in a moment. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, why is this, is this guy to Dan's uh, to the left so quiet? That is Edward Gallo, Ed Gallo MMA, at Edward Gallo MMA. If you really want to follow him on Twitter, where he posts awesome wrestling stuff, as well as you can find his work for Bloody Elbow. MMA Sucker, as well as the fight site, the fight-site.com. What's up, Ed? Not too much. You know how uh, how, how it is with the quarantines. I'm out in Philly, and uh, a lot of stuff is shut down right now, but still got my little puppy dog, and you know we're hanging out, and we go on walks, and you know I was kind of a home buddy before this, so it's not a, a huge deal for me. I don't feel particularly oppressed right now. <laughs> yeah, same here. Like Outside of um, you know changes from obvious ones to... Uh, personal ones, me personally, like, yeah, I'm, I've been, um, you know, as many people say in their profiles now, social distancing before it was cool, but um, glad to hear you and the pup are, are doing well. We were just speaking about that. I remember you picking up a pup not too long after I picked up one, so I'm glad to hear that's going well. Yeah, it's going great. She's awesome. Well, you know, one thing that's common with MMA and dogs uh, is, uh, or any, you know, a lot of animals from the MMA kingdom is wrestling, right? I think that is one thing. There, there's a common thread there. Dogs wrestle, uh, gorillas wrestle, uh, and of course, <laughs> the crazy sport that uh, we cover, mixed martial arts, there is wrestling in there. So we're going to be talking a lot about wrestling today, and that's kind of why, uh, well, not kind of, well, why specifically I wanted Ed on. I wanted to get Ed on anyways, but with these top five shows, peek behind the curtain, folks, I always try to give the uh, ball to the court of my guests because you know you know ideally you want your guests to be be passionate about what, what we're going to talk about right and not only is ed passionate but he's much more knowledgeable than than my dumbass pardon the french there will be explicit on every episode of course but yeah so i i figured i'd bring ed on here to uh, to help out and and perhaps enlighten we'll see We'll I'm pretty see. dumb sometimes myself, so we'll, we'll find out what happens. He's as self <laughs> he's as self deprecating as me, folks. So it's all good. Uh, Ed, you want to just give a brief before we jump into the topic here? Just give a, a brief background about yourself. Obviously, I mentioned the sites you write for, which are all great sites. You all should check out and support the people who write for them. But uh, what's your background uh, as far as where you came from to how you got into this crazy, like I said, crazy thing is, is covering MMA and, and writing about it. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone has like a typical path to, to get to MMA. It's like a sport for weirdos and misfits, both media and competition. Uh, yeah, but for me, I just, you know, I happened upon it on TV one day. I was like 16, 15, uh, really thought that fighting looked cool and I wanted to do it. So that's actually why I started wrestling. I joined the wrestling team because it was free uh, relatively to, you know, compared to gym fees. Uh, you know, wrestled for a little bit, not a long time, and I was like, you know, I was JV, I, I wasn't good, wasn't winning matches, really, I wasn't doing well in practice, so I wasn't a good wrestler at all, uh, but I was in Pennsylvania, we were around a lot of good wrestling, so I had exposure, and I, I just found that I really liked the sport, while I didn't really like the team that I was on, I didn't really like the, uh, you know, the situation I was in right there, but I was like, the sport's great, so I continued to follow it, branched off and started training MMA, because I did find some free outlets uh, at, at school and later in college. So I ended up training MMA, you know, at the year after that and, and continuously since then. Uh, but wrestling was something I always, you know, kept close to my heart because it was, you know, my base. It was the thing that got me into, you know, being athletic in the first place because I didn't do sports before that. Um, and, you know, I always thought that, that it was interesting. So I, you know, I kept watching wrestling and I, it's funny, like as I've gotten older, I've like upgraded the level of wrestling that I am okay with watching. Uh, like in high school, I didn't really watch college. I just watched high school. I just watched Pennsylvania high school wrestling because that's what I was. I knew, um, and it's you know it's probably the best state in the country for that. So like I wasn't like I wasn't getting anything good there. Uh, I'd watch PA states every year. Uh, but then I got to college. I went to University of Pittsburgh, and they had a great D1 team. Still do. Uh, went to like every dual meet. Uh, so I got really into college wrestling, and then uh, yeah, in the in the past couple of years, really I have to thank Seth Patera for this. Seth Patera uh, got me into freestyle wrestling, uh, and that's when I really started to, to, to lean into uh, wrestling analysis, when I started watching the very best in the world, uh, and now, like, everything else is ruined for me. I can't go back and watch high school now. I've seen, you know, I've seen Sajalayev. I, I can't, uh, it, it, like, there's rare exceptions, you know, where, where some guys are just transcendent, but, you know, for the most part, I watch, uh, I still watch college, I still watch D1, uh, and, and, you know, here or there, a few other guys, but... Uh, but yeah, my background really is just studying, studying, you know, MMA and studying wrestling. It's funny. I tell people this all the time. Like, I was watching MMA for, you know, since 2009, 2010, and it wasn't until like summer 2018 that I started to feel like I knew anything about it. You know what I mean? Like, I started to actually think about it analytically when I was writing my articles. And I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> and like, but it's it's you know, reading work of people like you and. Uh, my colleagues at the fight site, those are some of the best analysts I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, you should see the conversations we have in our chats where, like, I'll, I'll bring up a topic and just off the top of their head, these guys are, like, giving away, like, premium article content for free. So being around a bunch of geniuses all the time definitely helped. Uh, but, yeah, so I wrote for MMA Sucker for, for a couple of years. I wrote, like, well over 100 articles there. Uh, you know, found my way into Bloody Elbow because I don't know if you remember uh, – Coach Mike uh, used to write those wrestling articles all the time. Yeah, uh, he right. retired. Uh, we've talked a little bit about it, and he retired mostly due to burnout, just because it is, you know, unforgiving sometimes to be in this this media space, uh, not inherently rewarding <laughs> for, yes, for some yes. people. I was just about to say, in, ge yeah. in general, on a lot of levels, totally, yeah. yeah. It's a ton of work, and, mm -hmm. and there's not, like, any tangible payoff sometimes, so you got to love it, um, but I do. Uh, so, yeah, Bloody Elbow, and then uh, recently... Uh, you know, Kyle McLaughlin and a bunch of the other guys at the fight site uh, wanted to start our own space just because we felt like what we were doing was pretty unique and there should be a site that focuses solely on analysis. 
Um, so that's how we got together uh, this past summer. And it's been you know a good six, seven months now, and we're, we're rolling. Uh, technically, I'm one of the owners of the site. Me and Kyle run it together. Uh, but yeah, that, we're doing really great work over there, so I recommend everyone checks that out. I do write articles for the fight site a good deal, but not as often as, as Bloody Elbow. And uh, I can't really say I contribute to MMA Saka anymore, but I definitely still support the site, and I try to share the work that I've done in the past from there because I did do some good stuff uh, back then. And uh, if anything new is coming out that I think is great, um, MMA Saka is always picking up uh, analysts who are starting out. So that's a good place to find like you know hidden gems of people that are just getting going that are going to be cool later on. Uh, so that's kind of been my journey in a, in a nutshell. There's more to it, obviously, but that's like the fastest way I can explain how I ended up here because it's crazy. <laughs> no, totally. And I, I'm not one to, you know, uh, be shy about giving shouts to other sites. All those sites uh, I got love for. But a special shout out, though, definitely to the, to, to the fight site. I really love what you guys are doing over there. Uh, you're right. A bunch of smart individuals. Uh, I'm not, you know, I always joke about myself being like an old man shouting on his lawn because I'm, I'm, I look younger than I am, but I'm actually older than what I technically am, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I don't know. I don't know half these references you kids be shouting. But no, you guys, you guys, uh, honestly, uh, I love a, a, a lot of the subjects you guys are tackling. And I say that because uh, even though everything I've dived into has been well worth it, everybody should go there. Again, that's thefight-site.com. Um, but and I take this as a compliment, but especially when you're producing content or you're within the same field, I'm, I'm very careful with people within the same field of digesting too much of their content, whether it's reading or audio or et cetera, whatever, right? Uh, because you want to keep your filter clean, uh, so to speak. So I got to be careful sometimes. Like I forget what it was. Uh, it was like, a, a, you know, the, the specialty articles on each fighter. And I was, yeah. I think I was working on something on a particular fighter, and I'm like, oh, I, that sucks. I got to stay away from that because it's within something I'm writing about. But I'm like, but I really want to check that out because everything you guys have put out have been a plus. Is that like you don't want to feel like you're stealing ideas? Like you read something, you're like, oh, I should write that. <laughs> well, you hear it in stand-up comedy a lot, right? Like uh, some stand-ups won't listen to other comedians because you, even even the best comedians, you know, without the intention, the most honorable, etc. You won't realize subconscious is a really powerful thing, and you know we talk about it a lot in fighting, right? You you revert to yeah. certain styles, you revert to certain habits because subconscious is a super powerful thing, and you will start sounding whether it's cadence, definition of words, um, writing styles. Uh, I, I, it's happened to me before. Uh, I've seen it happen to others for sure, and it's just something you gotta I think be aware of because again, I don't think most people are twiddling their mustache and uh, you know uh, you know trying to do. Uh, What's this reference I'm trying to think of? But, uh, you know, plagiarism or anything like that. Or I really yeah. don't think anything's intentional, but because crossover is really common. Great minds often do think alike. It's a common thing for a reason. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I'm like, I have the, the fortune of not fully understanding everything I read, so I don't internalize it that way. So I probably don't have that problem, but I haven't been thinking about that. So hopefully... But that, do that. But that's the point about <laughs> but that's the point about reading, right? Because then it makes you at least for me, I'm one of those people like whether I finish an article, book, or movie, I have to immediately go reference everything I didn't understand. I have to go study it. Mm -hmm. It's like this whole other process. It's really annoying, like with my right. completest mentality. Um, and 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 as far as writing goes, because I'm always trying to improve as a writer. Uh, you know, I, I say in air quotes, I'm a writer, as I don't consider myself one. Always trying to improve, right? And what do you do? You read really good writers, right? Like the Chuck Mendenhalls or the Ben Folks of the oh, world. True, or true. It, more specifically, I'll try to read writers outside the MMA space, and then that will inherently kind of improve. So, again, 
there's there's benefits to both people. I'm not saying there's not, but I'm just it's one of those things I'm weirdly like careful about. But you guys do great work, so thanks, man. All right, man. We're gonna be talking about top five wrestlers from a standing position as we're about ten minutes in here. Um, basically, for one. Ed, I'm glad that you wanted to narrow this down because, boy, I had a hard enough time with this list, as I'm sure you did. And, but now I'm like, I am so glad we're going to you know, probably do top five wrestlers or top five clinch fighters probably, and then maybe do a top five uh, mat wrestlers, right, or a top five top position. Uh, anyways, I'm going to dissect it into, into probably at least three, um, and I'm glad for doing so. Uh, was this as hard for you as, hard as it was for me, Ed? Yeah, especially because like I am so I, I picked it because I prefer, uh, you know, breaking down, dissecting, watching, uh, you know, wrestlers to excel from neutral position. That's what you call it, wrestling, top bottom neutral, so neutral being standing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like it's always takedowns are the most interesting thing to me. Takedowns, takedown defense, you know, scrambles, things like that. Uh, so I was like, well, I just want to talk about the thing I like the most. Uh, mat wrestling is super important and super cool, and it's a very important skill to have in MMA. Uh, but I just like it, maybe it's my ADD. Uh, that's probably it, where I like have a harder time sitting down and watching a lot of grappling and a lot of like mat wrestling and trying to break it down because I'm like, oh my god, like when I have, I have to watch the whole thing and wait for stuff to happen. Like with takedowns and like these sequences, you can be skipping ahead every five seconds until until you skip ahead and like suddenly they're grappling. You're like, okay, something happened there. Uh, and then I'll go back, you know, after that and be like, okay, were there signs of this being set up over time? So just so everyone knows, I'm not totally cheating on my analysis. Uh, but you know, I, I'm like, I do not have the attention span to really watch a, a lot of mat wrestling, uh, which is crazy. Cause I watch a lot of college wrestling, which is a lot of mat wrestling more than in freestyle for sure. And more than MMA, uh, but it's just for some reason it's different. Then, but yeah, I definitely uh, wanted to to do it for that reason, and that's why it's so hard. Is because that's what I focus on all the time. I have so many examples on my head of people who are really good at it, um, and then I'm like, oh my god, how do I choose? I think I, I feel pretty good about my thought process here, but uh, and I, I did double check with some people who think like I do. I'm like, if I'm using this criteria, what do you think of this list? And they felt good about it, but yeah, I uh, I, I feel like I'm betraying the people that aren't going to make my top five. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's something too. Like, uh, I'm glad that you mentioned scrambles because that does fit. Even if I do decide to do a top five scramblers uh, oh, yeah. list down the line, uh, I don't think it'll interfere or there will be really too much crossover with this list that I'm going to be having today. Um, and that was something that also helped me parse the list was thinking in context of Okay, I may be crucified for having this person, but not having this person. But this person mm -hmm. for sure is going to be in my top five clinch fighters, regardless if I limit right. it to wrestlers or shoot box tie clinch guys as well. This person's still going to be there, you know. Or this person's not on here, and, and here's another champion. You know, for example, there's like two champions, current champions, um, and top greats, you know, that are, aren't going to be on today's list that I could be crucified for. But mm -hmm. you know, one will be on the clinch, and one would definitely be a shoe in for like a very top of the list for the mat. You know, so it's like it's it, yeah. it, it, it. So if you don't hear a name, at least from my side of it, I can't speak for Ed. I can assure you, if there's an obvious name left out, it's going to be um, on a specific section. Uh, and scrambling did give points uh, for for certain people on this on this list for sure. And scrambling as well gives context to certain things. Like there's certain moves like out of context, like a Peterson roll might be more considered mat wrestling. But in an example for a person I'm going to cite, 
I I would argue it it, it takes place within a scramble of a takedown. And, gotcha. you know, someone who uses that, I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're still kind of, we're dancing on the outskirts of this topic, but that's about where I cut it off. Any kind of, uh, you know, how in MMA fights, especially the much more educated commentators, much more educated audience and our sport, when there'll be a takedown, especially you'll hear DC or Cruz go, that wasn't a takedown, he got right back up. While right, statisticians right. will still mistakenly overcredit takedowns, I would argue, if you're looking at it from a wrestling standpoint. Uh, sure. or, or, or collegiate rules or or many other rule sets, right, Ed? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but yeah, I consider that whole kind of neutral space, you could argue, right? Because both fighters are still scrambling and fighting in mid-action, defensive and offensive. Um, that's kind of where I guess I cut off the, 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 the nether region if we're really, really splitting hairs of this topic. For sure. It's funny. This isn't relevant, really, to what we're going to be saying moving forward, but just on the topic of scoring takedowns. It's funny, in freestyle, it's really hard to get something called a takedown, but it's really easy to score points. And in folk style, it's really easy to get something called a takedown, like just by criteria, but it's actually very hard to score points. It's so funny. Like, uh, you know, like if you hit a go behind, you're in rear standing, and they're like standing, and you didn't return them to the mat, a lot of refs will call that a takedown. Um, in freestyle, you have to not only do you have to you know have control, you also have to have like like besides the feet, like additional points of contact. So if they're on their hands and their feet, that's not a takedown. You have to break them down to their elbow or their their knee or something like that. So it's like, but then you know in folk style, you see all these crazy scrambles where people are rolling across their back and like yeah. passing and funk rolling. That's all fine and it's all intermediate and there's no takedown, there's no points. In freestyle, every single time your back exposes the mat is two points. Uh, if it happened from the feet, it's four. So it's like the way that's uh, scored is so crazy. And then in MMA, it's like I would say even the most difficult to score out of all of them because nothing inherently scores, right? If you read the rules, it's not like taking someone down isn't worth anything. It's what you right. do once you take them down, right? Um, unless it's like a damaging takedown. So like, like, oh, should they even be scoring takedowns? Probably not. Like they shouldn't be counting them. Uh, like, what's the point of keeping record of it if it's not actually a scoring move, if that makes sense? It's it's so funny. So, like, I'm devaluing our topic for some reason, but it's, I don't know. I just want to get that out there. <laughs> well, no, totally. I mean, in, in other sports that have takedowns, people don't realize, like, maybe, you know, certain instances of Muay Thai, right? Um, they're mm-hmm. not necessarily scoring points, uh, scoring, getting points awarded for it or anything like that. But right. they use it for what, obviously, wrestlers or you hear commentators kind of in MMA stereotyping on wrestlers as far as bringing the grind in a mental sense, because it's, that's the Muay Thai mm-hmm. way of saying kind of F you and the Muay Thai way of establishing dominance, like gotcha. no selling, you know. So it's funny when you get into these arguments as far as uh, how takedowns can be scored in combat sports, I guess, is, is why I bring that up. But no, I love what you said about, uh, you know, the comparison. That's really interesting because, you know, when I go back, and I'll, I'll admit I don't keep up with it today. If I'm only wa- if I'm watching collegiates because I'm on some kind of rabbit hole, like, <laughs> you know, uh, on some sorts, or like, uh, you know, I did a article on like uh, when I worked for Flo on Chad Mendes, so I went back and watched his collegiate stuff, or right. Askren, I went back and watched his collegiate stuff a couple times, right? And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I have some coffee here. And uh, it's always fun- funny. The funny thing I notice in regards to the points, and as far as why, you know, your point, it's so hard to get those points. It it makes sense because it seems like almost all wrestlers. Uh, or the good ones and all the, the coaches, they all have that, uh, if I'm going to use NBA terminology, 
You know, the players have a bit of Dennis Rodman and the coaches have a bit of Stan Van Gundy uh, in them as far as they're, they're always playing to the refs as far as, hey, hey, wasn't that a uh, point? You see them check and look to the ref like, hey, shouldn't that, you know, the, the chaos will happen like you said, right? And when there's a little breather or a little beat in the action, you'll see someone contesting if there wasn't a call when they thought they should have been. And that, right right, right or wrong, that seems to be a common play, right? Or is that just me having selective memory here? For sure. And like some people more than others, obviously. And some people have styles where it, you know, happens more often where things are contentious. That's like Johnny Hendricks was famous for that in college for playing with the refs. <laughs> yeah, man, and 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 often the uh, often the greats do, man. Um, you know, and and that's something that uh, I believe it was. I'll credit him anyways because he's he's awesome. But uh, Connor Rebush always says, I believe it. He might have an article on it as far as the greats fighting dirty, and I think that translates to all sports. Uh, yeah, he was sure. he, he was talking about MMA, and I believe probably combat sports. But you, it's funny how that translates almost to all sports and their branches, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, all right. So that's the context of the list. Don't crucify me too hard. I am going to have one really hipster pick uh, coming in hot um, for my number five, as I usually do. Usually I let the guests go first, but Ed, do you want me to kickstart the momentum since it's your first time on the show, and, and we'll go from there? Yeah, go for it. And mine's hipster, too, so we're, we're starting off on a sour note either way, so you go for okay. it. <laughs> so my hipster pick is a Brazilian, and again, if we're stereotyping your nation with your uh, martial art, you're not going to really get wrestling for Brazil. Or when you get the seldom guy, you know, who comes in like, uh, was it, I believe one of his names was Henrique da Silva or something, the guy that got knocked out by Nanganu. Like, if, yeah. if you follow the wrestling credentials, I'm sure they don't rank too highly if I talk to the, and, and Ed Gallo of the world, for example. Um, but there is one Brazilian that I think you're going to have, so I stayed away, um, even though I'm a big fan of defense. So I went with another Brazilian. Uh, and it feels like a crime to put a guy who who uh, who wears a who wears a gi, which I guess we'll page note that uh, wears a gi uh, on, on a wrestling list. But if guys like you know Ben Askren are giving you credit for your wrestling, then it is really hard to deny this man is Damian Maya. And Damian Maya, this, this sounds I know. Don't crucify me. He is a jiu-jitsu person, and if we were doing top five jiu-jitsu fighters, you probably would crucify me for, like, putting him on because it's so damn obvious, right? Uh, And I'm not going to talk about his mat wrestling, his mat jiu-jitsu, his chokes, or anything like that. But I'm mainly Uh putting Damian Maya on here. You can crucify me. Like, you know, uh, his shot was decent. His shot was probably pretty good considering his age and his, his discipline. And that's for a reason, is because he left Brazil, went to the United States, New Jersey, actually worked in wrestling, wrestling programs, put the work in, and you can kind of see it through his MMA career. And uh, we're in his jiu-jitsu, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's tapping heavyweights with triangle arm bars and the younger jiu-jitsu, uh, Maya probably has healthier knees back then, which I can relate to. Um, but as he got older, he became more of a wrestler. And even though he's known for his jiu-jitsu, he didn't start in jiu-jitsu for people that aren't aware. He actually started in karate and judo, uh, which is why if you look at him operating in the clinch, and again, I'm not focusing on the clinch here because I, 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 that doesn't qualify him on the list. That's not what we're covering, but... Ed, you can weigh in on, 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 on uh, interrupt me on this rant here as I throw to you, but what he does in the clinch, and I credit it to his judo and karate because both of those martial arts, albeit one a grappling and one not, they both uh, rely on the, the uh, you know, uh, the symbiotic relationship between your limbs, your arms and your legs. Now, if mm-hmm. we break it down from a literal standpoint, 
if from bad fighters to good fighters, regardless of discipline, everyone's forced to use their arms and legs, Dan. What the hell are you talking about? But, Ed, as you can talk about with, with, with Damian Maya MMA or wrestlers, there are certain people who are above the fold when they are using their arms and their legs. You know, they might be doing different things. The arms might be distracting up here while the legs are accomplishing the task, but they are both working toward the same objective. And uh, you see a lot of that smooth, uh, symbiotic nature with Damian Maya's movement. You know what I'm talking about, Ed? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I define neutral wrestling as, you know, the the space between when top and bottom is established. So it's like anything that's happening from the transition of when a takedown attempt starts or anything like that, that that's all neutral wrestling. So Damian Maya is super effective uh, taking people down. And it's funny, uh fights like plug already uh <laughs> our, our guy tom elliott who's a, a bjj black belt and i think also a judo black belt i think he was d1 in college for judo uh very accomplished martial artist now he's taking totally. amateur muay thai fights i hate this guy yeah uh, <laughs> yeah totally yeah, he's out there talking I, about his age on twitter by the way shouts to tommy oh yeah we love you tommy yeah but he wrote a uh we did like three or four articles in a row in the lead up to Askren versus maya because it was such a like a talked about fight in, in both of our spaces um, but yeah, he did a, a, a Damian Maya versus wrestlers article, and it's basically about Damian Maya's wrestling, and he gives him so much credit. And like, I read the whole thing, and like, I was like, wow! Like, I, I'd seen like I knew some of it because I I watched a lot of uh, Maya for uh, a, a Jorge Masvidal uh, takedown defense, like wrestling in general article. Uh, yeah, and, and the Maya was really impressing me because like he, his setups are like not ideal. Because you know, a lot of times he's, he's dive bombing on, on legs, but it's the fact that he has this process for how he knows how to finish shots. And then when he gets into these wrestling situations, like he's in front headlock, he's hitting go behinds. Like the guy can can flat out wrestle. He can flat wrestle. And it's really cool because that's something like you said, it happened over time. Uh, it's something he learned how to do. And like you can watch him fight wrestlers and do very well at wrestling. I think the Jake Shields fight is probably my favorite for like just as a whole. Maya's like. Uh, you know, overall grappling, grappling ability, including wrestling. But yeah, I think that's an awesome shout. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm like so uh, prejudiced against people who don't have like clean technique. Like if, if there's a if there's an extended struggle between the initiation of the takedown and, and getting it, uh, I'm like, hmm, can I really can I really count you then? Uh, like I, I like I think I like things to be pretty. It's the freestyle uh, influence on me right now. Uh, but yeah. I love that. I know what you mean. There are certain guys that I, I don't know if they would have made the list, but I definitely wanted to shout. And I went back and watched it. I'm like, ooh. Like, there was that exact instance <laughs> where I'm like, I'm not seeing chain offs, but like, also, uh, this guy was from an earlier era. So I'm like, how hard can I really judge him? And we'll talk about right. those contexts as well. But just to finish up on Maya specifically, well, not just his shot or what he did in the clinch, but it was the in between. And I know, you know, I, um, Speaking of giving stuff for free, I probably should have done a half guard article the other day. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I went on this half guard rant on Twitter, right? And uh, at Dan Tom MMA, if you want to track it down, uh, click media, scroll down, it's probably not too far from whenever you're listening to this. And amidst it was, of course, I had to build toward a, a big nog and Damian Maya connection, too. Like, it wasn't, it didn't matter if he had a good shot or not because he took all the, the big nog cue, big nog and pride, folks. Uh, he would shoot shitty shots. And people will be like, ha I sprawled. Your shot was shit. I just thwarted your grappling, big boy. What are you going to... And literally, did he know? It's like, no, you're an idiot. Um, sprawling on top of me is still grappling with me. Watch. Here's a half guard pull. Now you're fucked. Mm -hmm. um, and it was beautiful. And Damian Maya picked up on this. And he would use that too. Now, 
I'm not even going to include half guard pull as far as, uh, you know, crediting him to why he gets on this list. But what what would he pull to, Ed? It was the single leg. Now, there are mm-hmm. certain specifics, like if you're a southpaw, you need to have a good check right hook. Now, whether you're a wrestler or a jiu-jitsu guy uh, learning wrestling, um, it doesn't matter. If you're an MMA fighter, you should be familiar with all iterations of the single leg. And Damian Maya, through most, the, uh, most of his welterweight catalog, will take you through from your back to dominant wrestling positions, clean entries, unclean entries where you have to adjust. He will take you through all those iterations on a single leg. And most importantly, the reason why is because even if you're not going to be a a half guard puller or a guy who's good from deep half, or even if your wrestling is not your moneymaker, you're going to be a defensive sprawling brawler. When you get into the craziness of a scramble, which you can't avoid in MMA, you get knocked down, taken down or something, right? Someone's going to get through. Something's going to get through. Mm -hmm. What is one of the ways, especially under today's rules... Uh, to protect yourself. You go in for a single. It doesn't matter that I don't have a good single. I'm going to hide my head. Because when you right. go in for a signal and you hide you hide your head into the crotch, um, you know, uh, you, you know, unless you're extremely homophobic, what you're going to do is only expose illegal areas to hit. It's very brilliant. And more so specifically, uh, you know, uh, you look at Damian Maya and how he uses it. He'll kind of go under the ass more for a single leg. And it's opposite from jiu-jitsu style. Jiu-jitsu guys preach high underhooks. High underhooks. High underhooks are great for a lot of things, and they're not necessarily bad for a getup. However, what is the counter? And Damian Maya knows this counter because he's a jiu-jitsu guy. It is Dar's chokes and guillotines right. to the half guard getup. So if you go below the ass and you and you go you grab below the ass in your underhook getups on your single legs, um, you are gonna nullify about 90% of that because they're gonna have to debase and almost get themselves off balance to get a, a deep darsing or guillotine arm. Damian Maya knew this. People always took the bait. They didn't know how to react, uh, good grapplers or not, and Damian Maya would not just get the takedown, but what he would do with the takedowns made his takedowns more emphatic. So he, he's got to make this list for me. So sorry for yeah. the Damian Maya fandom rant there. but I like it. I like it. In terms of efficacy, that's a really cool a cool shout. I all Spoilers, I didn't even think about him. I like didn't even cross my mind. Like, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's really good. I'm right. I'm proud of that pick. The hipster pick is in. Throw your stones as yeah. uh, I divert the attention to Ed while I make my getaway. Ed, what was yeah. your number five? Well, here's my hipster pick. So another another grappler. Uh, maybe someone that not everyone's familiar with, uh, but someone I am absolutely in love with. Um, his name is Ali Bagov, and he uh, was uh, ACA's wow. lightweight champion, and that, he was formerly ACB's lightweight champion. So if you know ACB. Yep. Uh, Ramzan Kadyrov's uh, WCFA, WFCA, I forget, uh, purchased ACB, and now it is ACA, uh, Absolute Championship Akhmat. Uh, so Ali Bagov was a uh, was lightweight champ, and he's a guy who I definitely wrote a very long article about for the fight site. Uh, so if you look up his name on the fight site, you'll find my article. Uh, but he his background is uh, is no gi grappling. He uh, won a like a FILA World Championship, which is not really anything, and now that's UWW, so formerly FILA. Uh, but he won like a, a wrestling organization, no gi grappling world championship. I think like guys like Brian Caraway and uh, I don't know some some other uh, yeah 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 you know American UFC names. Guys like that compete at that stuff, and yeah, he he won twice perhaps. Uh, I forget what weight classes, but uh, yeah. So he came into MMA as pretty much a pure grappler, uh, but his neutral game's always been great. In his fourth MMA fight. I believe it was, it was Khabib's uh, seventh or eighth mm-hmm. fight. He yeah. fought he fought Khabib, and uh, 
he took him down right away. <laughs> so yeah. that was the first thing that happened. So this guy, uh, how do I how do I describe his neutral game? Uh, it it's it's gone through several stages of evolution. He's always had a great double leg, and and a lot of this is qualified by him being one freakishly athletic, and two just huge, so big. He moved up to welterweight for his last fight, and he was still too big. He looked too thick. He like he was too thick to function. It was a yeah. terrible fight yeah. because he was too thick to function. So let's just ignore the welterweight version of Ali Bagov <laughs> yes. uh, and just think of all the, the lightweight versions we know of him uh, and just pretend that fight didn't happen. He's thick enough at 155, Ali. You're thick yeah. enough, buddy. Yeah, he, he's freaking enormous, like cutting from probably 200 pounds. Uh, that's why his kidneys failed and he had to move up. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm laughing yeah. at that. Sorry. Go in ahead. terms of, of people who existed at lightweight at, as a wrestler, Ali Bagov is one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, this incredible double leg and he can shoot it from a relatively close space and run it, and he usually likes to run to the cage. Uh, running to the cage is a great option for him because he has such uh, you know, limb control that he can do probably my favorite double leg adjustment finish because you know the defense to a double leg against the cage is to get side on and get your stance as wide as possible, dig those underhooks, wizard to pull them up, stuff like that. Um, for Ali Bagov, he's getting in deep on those legs, and if they're too wide, he'll pull off to the side and he'll run it straight again. And while you're trying to defend and run it, you can't you know, widen your base while you're trying to defend yeah. backwards. You have to keep your feet moving backwards and your hips moving backwards so you don't get knocked over. So if he's running them into the cage again, and just you know, short, short distances, and that's narrowing their base, and he can finish the double there. So he's great at that. And then when he started training with Abdul Manaf and, and Habib, he learned the whole the cage control system and the leg mount and all that stuff. And he's gotten you know terrifying because of that because he's so good at finishing on the cage. But uh, the double leg's amazing. He can shoot it from pretty much anywhere uh, and and get to, you to the cage and finish it, which makes him qualify for the list already. Um, but he actually developed a little setup system, very simplistic and something that most people aren't able to do physically, which is why it's you know not really something that it's like oh it's so simple. It's like no, it's simple for him. He can do it. Uh, you probably can't do it. Uh, but his thing is he got. His whole striking game is completely wacky. Uh, this guy pretty much only uses his lead hand and lead leg. Uh, I don't know where this came from, but he is extremely uncomfortable throwing his rear hand and rear leg. He almost never does it. Uh, one of our patrons at the fight site, a great guy, uh, Miguel uh, Class, said uh, his his left hand is for stabbing and his right hand is for grabbing. And I think that is the, <laughs> the most apt, funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, about Ali Baga, but yeah, he he basically uses only lead hand strikes, and uh, basically when he's not ready to to engage in grappling, he's check hooking and jabbing to get you to stay at range or you know fend you off. But otherwise, he's lead leg kicking, and his entry is uh, you know skip up lead leg high kick, drop into the double leg off the lead leg high kick, which is a very athletic thing to do. Yeah, uh, another ACA guy, Rustam Karimov. Uh, the former bantamweight champion vacated. He has one where he did rear leg head kick, and then, I mean, immediately off the head kick, drop back into stance, huge level change into the doubles. These guys are just absurd athletes, which makes them very effective takedown artists. But Ali Bagov's double leg is awesome. Uh, he just has this weird depth of takedowns from neutral. He's, like, really good at this. Um, he'll go uh, single leg, just, like, snatch single, head inside. Uh shelf that transition off to uh, the seatbelt. He's really good from the seatbelt. Uh, he can you know, go body lock and, and throw you. He can just kind of trip out that base leg. Um, he can you know, transition to the back. 
he's also really good uh, going from that snatch single. He can run the pipe, and I love guys who run the pipe yeah. on singles in MMA because singles are so hard to finish in MMA because people just yes. go to the cage and what do I do? Um, shout out to Khabib for being like one of the only guys who can finish singles in the cage. Uh, but yeah, Ali Bagov uh, likes to just run the pipe, and basically when you get the, the pipe ran on you in MMA, you end up hands and hands and knees or hands and feet, so you can you know base and turn back in because uh, they're just kind of you know throwing you down and you have to recover. Uh, against Edward Vartanian, who's somebody I wanted to put on this list but didn't. Uh, Edward Vartanian right away closes the distance, snatch single, runs the pipe, gets to the back, chokes him unconscious in the first round. This is a guy that people are talking about as the best lightweight in the world right now. Not like most people, but some people <laughs> are talking about that. He choked him to sleep. Uh, just that the variety of, of neutral offense is something that's really amazing and just how unstoppable it can be at times. He's taken down pretty much anyone everyone he's fought, uh, including guys like Habib, Edward Vartanian, uh, another na- new name for some people would be uh, Abdulaziz Abdulfahabab, who uh, is the current, no, not the current lightweight champion. So he was lightweight champion after he beat Vartanian, and then Bagov yeah. beat him in an epic fight. Okay, um, now, now I know you're familiar. I was familiar with Vartanian, yeah. and I, yeah, no, now I'm familiar, yeah, yeah. This is the lineage. Uh, yeah, he beat him in an epic this, fight. This is about, then, this, uh, this is about where I started falling out from ACB, ACA. And oh, me too. Russian, it was a mistake. <laughs> I know it was. It totally was. And now, like, you figured I could use this time to catch up. And I will. I right, actually right. wrote Ali Bagoff article down here because um, yes, guilty please. admission. I missed that, and I'm definitely gonna go and read that. Um, but but if I could just jump in real quick, man. Oh yeah, for sure. I I think no no. I, this is this is this is a great shout. Um, Ali Bagoff. I I know I always joke about like could be not fighting uh, really much anybody uh, from compiled record to. Like, if you go back to watch the fights, obviously I'm not talking about Ali Bagoff. And uh, by the way... Say something uh, about that in a second. <laughs> yeah, by the way, by the way, uh, and I don't want to say no one talks about this or anything like this, but you don't hear it talked about enough, I guess, is, is a good way to phrase it, um, is Khabib's guard work. I mean, I remember first trying to dig it. I'm like, who is this guy that's so touted? You know, he won a couple fights in the UFC at this point. Um, and remember tracking down some fights on the internet and then just watching how he would go from attacks to parlaying attacks to sweeps. You only see like a little bit in it in the briefly in the Abel Trujillo fight as far as like UFC mm-hmm. career goes. But that was yeah. kind of the cool thing about watching this era of Khabib. Sorry, side shout uh, on that. Um, but also a really good detail on Ali Bogov on that double leg as far as the defense. And now that I think about it, like as you're explaining it, I'm like, yeah, totally. That's great, A. Eh? But B, why don't guys do that more? Because, like, I've even seen uglier versions of that work. Like, remember, didn't, like, Paul Daly do that over and over again to Jorge Masvidal in, like, shark fights back in the day when Oof, it was, like, it was, like first, <laughs> it was first Paul Daly's, like, first trying to, like, uh, you know, working with Kenny Johnson, I'm going to try to apply some wrestling. And that fight, he wins it against the cage. It's ugly. But, like, you even see, like, the point is you even see, like, non-wrestlers doing ugly versions of, of of you know almost kind of running laterally after they've gotten gotten a yeah. certain reaction off the double leg like I'm surprised we don't see it from technical finishes to just brute ones I'm surprised we don't see that attempted more. Yeah, it's tough because I mean I'm I'm sure your arms are getting tired in that position and you don't like feel like doing it so you just you know rise up into the clinch and say F it. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a thing. Funny you say uh, you know Khabib versus uh, Ali Bagov is like a, a thing that counts. Uh, Ali Bagov was, was really flawed. He's still flawed, but he yes. was extremely flawed at the time because he was so. He's still very uncomfortable on his feet. He let it bother him that he was uncomfortable on his feet before. He would freak yeah, out. It looked like uh, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't have the mentality. So like, 
he got that first takedown and Habib used that leg entanglement system on, on the bottom to scramble and, and get up. And he took him down like a couple more times and it just became very obvious to him early on that he wasn't going to be able to hold him down or at least it was going to take more attempts to hold him down. His cardio wasn't really holding up and he was like, oh man, like, what do I do? And he started like spazzing and like pulling guard. And it's a really ugly fight on his part after that initial sequence. Uh, so that's why his record is so bad. Uh, is because for a long time he didn't know how to make these immense skills work because the things he was good at he's incredibly good at and that's always been there um, but he's like how do I fix this and I think that's what happened is he said I don't care that I'm not good at striking and I don't I shouldn't care about it and what I'm gonna do is just immediately take people down and I'm not gonna stop trying to take them down I'm just gonna do the damn thing uh, so that's basically what he did he threw out almost everything from his striking game and just focus on the stuff that sets up his takedowns and it worked brilliantly. He just specialized even more. And that's kind of the thesis of the article is here is how he became good. And then I think the end point is like, I think he's he's gone too far. Like I think he went a little bit away from the stuff that got him to his, his peak and maybe he's taken too much from like Habib and Abdulmanap where uh, my favorite thing about him as a grappler and maybe this would fit into the mat wrestling, maybe it wouldn't. Uh, he's someone that passes guard so aggressively. Um, constant, constant guard passing and like immediate guard passing. He's hitting these really explosive athletic takedowns where he's ending up in elevated positions because people are like being blown onto their backs. They're like, yeah. oh, butterflies. Uh, so try to elevate him. And then he's using that elevation because he's got like, uh, you know, body locks, posts, uh, overhooks, and whatever he's got um, off the double. Uh, but he's finding ways to you know, elevate his hips and hop over, and he's really good at like stack passing and, and all this crazy stuff. Uh, but he's, he's like, pass immediately side control armbar and just like stuff like that like he, he's a very if you're a jujitsu purist i think you'll really enjoy watching him despite me bringing him up on a wrestling list but yeah as a, as a neutral takedown artist he's awesome it's just like the times that it hasn't gone that well is versus guys who did not die immediately after he took him down the first time and they said okay you don't have the energy just to bulldoze me immediately again so i get a little more time here uh but you know the way that i think the thing that I think qualifies him for the list the most is because his level of competition that he's doing this to, uh, which is a silly thing to say from the perspective of someone that doesn't watch these guys, so they don't know that, that these guys exist. Because if you have watched the UFC mostly, every once in a while you'll catch like Bellator, PFL, something like that. You might watch the undercard and be like, okay, these guys are good, but I can tell the average level maybe isn't where right. it is in yeah. the UFC. Yeah. ACA is, is a very strange place, and ACP is a very strange place because yes. you still get that because you'll still like watch an undercard and you'll be like, some of these guys are just flat bad, but there is like an embarrassment of riches if you just yes. take like the top five, ten of every division, like let's say middleweight down. These guys are crazy good. It's stupid. It's stupid how good they are. They're all super good at everything. It's messed oh. up. So oh, totally. Like uh, yeah. you know, you want to talk about like. <laughs> You know, not offensive, but like just using a defensive so he can slug people like Borisov or like Borisov. Oh my god! Tank that somehow <laughs> started. When he, I remember when he first started cutting uh, like one thirty-five. I was like, oh my goodness! And he just would deaden people, but like you just see him like people will have the position and almost like take him off of his hips midair as like a double leg, and he'll just kind of hit. You'll see his hips rotate midair. Almost, he's almost at a forty. Five as he's falling down, but he's rotating the guys over with pure hip strength, just sick yeah. stuff. And there's like a bunch of those guys that are like unheralded over there. To your point, and to yeah. your point about Ali Bagoff rounding it back to him, and I think ACA ACB 
um, especially exemplifies the unkind matchmaking that can go on over there. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of that. And Ali Bogov is subject to that because, again, whether they are putting you in there to lose or even if they're putting you in there to win, for better or worse, there's an argument, um, especially if you look at a guy like Ali Bogov, these guys are getting put in there a lot just just to accrue experience. Yeah. It was cool. They did a... Uh, more recently, like once they merged the organizations, they did a title unification fight with him and uh, Hussein Khalidov, who was the champion for WFCA, who was also amazing. Uh, Ryan Wagner wrote the article on him, so so that's he. Ryan wrote the ones on Khalidov and Edward Vartanian. Uh, Sriram Raleigh Daran wrote the one on uh, Abdul Vakaba. I wrote the one on Bagov. Uh, I'm supposed to write the one on uh, Yusuf Raisov, who is also amazing. Uh, I haven't done that yet. And, uh, Danny Morton did one on that. Alexander Shabli, who is not in ACA any longer, but he's like one of like the four kings of nice. uh, the Russian lightweights, basically. But check these guys out. Just watch any of their fights, really, and you'll be like blown away. Uh, read the articles, probably, because that's a better sense to get like a big picture. But I don't want to rant about ACA that much longer. Yeah, no, it's but, all yeah, good. Just, just trust me that the level of competition is insane. And if you are a wrestling person listening to this, Ali Baga fought Baba Jenkins and. Uh, Ali Baga is not used to people trying to take him down, so he did get taken down pretty early on. Uh, he got doubled, and it was cool. <laughs> but he uh, he messed up Bubba from guard, and then the second round, he came out and he took him down a bunch of times and just ragdolled him and made him embarrassed and put him to sleep with like a really not tight looking uh, like a reverse triangle off the back, uh, but put him out out. So watch that fight if you're a wrestling person, you want to be impressed by him taking down a really good wrestler. But Abdul Vahabab is more than good enough to, to watch him take down. But yeah, that's my number five is Ali Bagov, and I feel very confident that he belongs on a top five. Yeah, yeah, no, no and no worries on the ACA shots. Real quick, do you have anybody else from that uh, over there that's going to be on this list? No, that's it. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, you know, who's my one of my favorites, and uh, I forgot to, he wouldn't, I don't, I don't know if he would have made the list, but he would have been right up there, uh, Murat Belayev, just because he's just the crazy from prison Russian Darren Elkins. Prison dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, just you know, speaking of rise, uh, rise off and those guys. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff over there. And last note, in case anybody's listening who is much more educated than me on that, I've always noticed that about you were speaking about Ali Bagov's lead left side. Obviously, he's on one clear end of the spectrum where he's only doing it. But in general, and I'm not even talking about Wushu Sanda guys. Maybe more specifically with Eastern European kickboxers, we'll see like Polish, uh, uh, you know. Polish MMA or kickboxers do it too. Like something about that region, something about punctuating, finishing, and emphasizing the lead side of their stance. I don't know what it is. It's like a common thread. Uh, Rashid uh, Magomedov's really balanced. What he, if you really watch, he's he makes his money off of his uh, his lead side. So I don't know what that mm-hmm. is, but good note. I love there. him. Yeah, me too. All right, number four. Uh, back back to the wrestlers from a standing position. That was a, no, that was a fun sidetrack. It's 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 cool to be able to go off on that. Um, number four, I'll, I'll keep the steering wheel. We'll do a Chinese fire drill in the next one. Uh, there might be crossover here. He will, I'll admit, um, he was on this list last minute because I was trying to parse out, but that doesn't make him any less, uh, you know, again, he, I'm, I'm putting him over Damian Maya. He is an actual wrestler. Um, you can come correct me on the credentials. I'm a great podcast host, clearly. I don't have him in front of me. <laughs> uh, but I believe he was an All-American. But more specifically, Frankie Edgar was one of the guys who really, in the mid to late aughts, we start seeing, and I'll burn a name here because I don't think he's going to be on your list. I apologize. 
But we start seeing guys like Rashad Evans, who inspire his mm-hmm. teammates, who I won't name, because his teammates probably will be on the list. And it's like this era of we're attaching, not only are we actually moving our head, you're starting to see like the first semblances of head movement in MMA, but mm-hmm. we're going to attach head movement and level changes from a boxing sense, and we're going to parlay these right into wrestling, because... Uh, not just that movement of changing a level, right? Changing a level for a double or changing a level to go to the body in boxing, but even the footwork, which we'll, perhaps we'll get to um, with other examples, especially my next example more specifically, there are a lot of common threads with boxing and wrestling that I, I'm not sure you know uh, com- it's commonly known. And Frankie Edgar was one of the guys who was really polishing this style off fluidly, whether you were overextending on a hook throwing a kick from the body to the leg that you you know you, that wasn't perfect um he was going to make you pay for it and not only was he going to change his level to take you down he was going to do uh, you know he one of my biggest fans is re-wrestling i was i was terrible at shooting right we're talking about running the mm-hmm. pipe and you're giving me nightmares shout out to my late great coach can I, can I go like a podcast without shouting out a dead coach brian keck yelling <laughs> at me hike the football hike the football you know for we're going to be talking more about uh snap downs and running the pipe but um one thing i was i was so terrible in the wrestling classes uh right like my shot was the worst thing i like wrestling was my weakest which is crazy because when I actually grappled, uh, one of the best compliments I would get is someone would go, hey, you used to wrestle? Because, again, if we're talking <laughs> about mat wrestling, my mat wrestling was really good. This wrestling we're talking about, Ed, fucking awful, right? So what I, it, it, it took me a while, but I figured out whether it was novice wrestlers or good wrestlers because they all wiped the floor with me. I stood my best chances in getting into my entries when I re-wrestled. When I learned the theory mm-hmm. of re-wrestling, counter-wrestling, uh, counter-shooting, right? Whenever someone would shoot, my defense was really strong and natural, you know? Uh, but, but, but it was reshooting, And Frankie Edgar could reshoot just as well. Even off of a failed or partially uh, hit shot. You know, you go back and watch the later rounds when he fought Uriah Faber. Uriah was really good at, at rolling with the momentum, right? He would even give his back turtle tripod up to stand because he knew how yeah. to do it. Um, and what, what did Frankie do? Uh, he didn't get discouraged by that. In fact, he stayed in on the hips and he re-wrestled and would just dump him forward, you know, you know, uh, go go deep in on the hips and dump him forward head first and just make him repost, rebalance, rework to get back to the feet. And you want to talk about a honey badger in the sense of this topic, wrestlers from a standing position. There was a lot of guys I wanted to talk about, maybe a Sean Shirk. I'll burn his name because I don't think he's going to get mentioned here. But you just <laughs> they get knocked off for one reason or the other, and a lot of roads lead to Frankie Edgar for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely considered it. I did write a big a big wrestling article on Edgar. Uh, that's a, a wrestling for MMA article. So your original point there with how boxing and wrestling connect and how striking and wrestling connect, that's like what it was about, like how Edgar was setting up his takedowns. Uh, I was I forget what brought it up, but we're, I guess we were just talking about double legs. Uh, someone who has really beautiful footwork on their double legs is Frankie Edgar. I mean, that's always been striking to me. Um, you know, one, how you can scramble like an, in like a flat wrestling sense. When I say scrambling, I'm sorry if, if this is a spoiler at all for, for your list. No, no, please, not for go, mine. go, 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 go. Uh, yeah, when people talk about scrambling in MMA, everyone thinks Joe Benavidez, sure. where he's already in and like he's been taken down into a dominant position. He's like finding ways out of them and, and creating these scrambles. Edgar, it's just like the wrestling situation begins and he hustles. You know, it's like you said, it's re-wrestling. It's going from position to position to position. Like that's something that always blows me away. Uh, for me, I guess the reason why he didn't make it was just because I, I, his later career sticks out in my mind where his entries, like, stop 
being effective. Like, he's getting to these entries, but, like, against Cub Swanson in the rematch, he went, like, 0 for 9. And it was really jarring to see because he's always been such an effective wrestler. And I'm like, what is going on here? So that's no reason to leave him off the list, but just, like, that somehow disqualified him because it was so close for me. I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love Edgar's wrestling for MMA, and I definitely wrote a, a big old article about it so that just to prove that I agree with you. Uh, but, yeah, and he's a great one. He's not an All-American. Um, he was also wrestling up a weight class because uh, Rad Martinez, if you remember him, he fought in Bellator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was at 133, and that was uh, Edgar's weight. Uh, and he was better than him, so I got to bump up. Uh, he, had, he had a few good NCAA tournaments. That's actually the beginning of the article. If you look at that, I just kind of break down what happened at his NCAA trips. Um, but yeah, he was a uh, he might have been round of twelve at some point. But yeah, he didn't AA. Um, but yeah, a couple time NCAA qualifier. Uh, but he was a uh, in high school senior nationals. I think he made the finals uh, as a senior. So that was pretty cool. And Jersey's super tough for wrestling. So if you're you know making stays, placing at states, that's that's a big deal. Jersey, yeah, Jersey. Love. I'm I'm like a day one Frankie Edgar stand. I've moved on to to other things, but that was like my original guy that I was hardcore about. Now I know what you mean, and not to criticize it because it didn't obviously affect him from being on my list. But to your point, though, as far as like later career, and I try to do this in general, especially again, there's a lot of ties to him and the next person I'm going to mention. Um, but uh, just lastly, capping off on this, I guess. But you're right, like because like one of his. I don't even know if you call it a knee tap, Ed, but you usually see it in MMA from an open stance when their lead their lead yeah. hands are touching, where he'll do the cross from the rear hand as he goes to kind of pick that pick that pick mm-hmm. pick the knee, and he does it from so far out and never gets within a shot these last these last years of his career. Yeah. That it's turned into a feint. It's not even a wrestling threat. Is as much it's almost a, it feels like a striking feint to open up a strike now because he's not getting in on 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 the things like he used to uh, in that sense, but. It's uh, the reason capping off why he makes the list too. When I was thinking about it, like when have and there are a lot of great wrestlers who, surprisingly enough, if you go look at their stats, they've been taken down much more than you think, and that's not a, a knock yeah. because maybe they have underrated jujitsu uh, wrestling. But when do you think of Frankie Edgar ever really being controlled outside of Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard one, which is a fight that right. doesn't get talked about enough and was really underrated? But really outside of that, when do you remember long instances of him being controlled? He's been, I mean, he's he's been taken down, being controlled. No, I mean, like, I think Benson Henderson might have gotten down once, but he took Benson Henderson went down way more times. Uh, you know, conversely, BJ actually took him down because uh, BJ is a great offensive wrestler, and if he did it more often, maybe he'd be here on this list. But, yes, exactly. Uh, it was so. Yeah. I, I know what you mean because the four, <laughs> it, he 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 he's getting you know whatever you think about the rounds in the first fight of the Edgar fight. He's now in round eight. You know, at UFC one eighteen. They're getting into rounds four. He's clearly down, getting his ass kicked. Edgar has his number. And for some reason, he's like, oh, wait, I can get takedowns whenever I want because kind of like another <laughs> thing I posted on Twitter, like showing BJ Penn doing things Khabib was doing like almost 20 years ago or doing them right. up a division of guys who made a living doing it, like John Fitch. Like, you're like, BJ was so fucking good at this. Why the hell did he not do this more? But again, that's that's a whole other fight IQ and that's another discussion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Edgar, Edgar, Edgar's a great shout. You're on fire. It's a good list. <laughs> All right, what's your number four, sir? Put me out of my ranting misery. Otherwise, I'll start fanning out on Frankie Edgar. Uh, all good. Uh, well, I, I, I'm like kicking myself because in the beginning, you were explaining how you're uh, dividing the types of wrestling. And I didn't realize that clinch wrestling was going to be a different thing. No, please. So, <laughs> it shouldn't affect your list because, again, I I, I, I got to be on this show and I got to come up with a fresh list. So a part of my, my way of justifying in my head is goes, you know what? I'm not going to use you here, but you'll get your shine. 
You'll get your shot yeah. on another list. So don't uh, let my criteria bleed over to you, Ed. You're good. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, I considered it part of neutral wrestling, so he's here. I'm sure he's going to show up for you as well. Uh, Kamaru Usman, the the UFC welterweight champion. Uh, and just to, to start it off, I, I did also write, write an article about him. Uh, I, read actually, that, I read that one. That was, yeah. that was really good. That was really good. That one was a little different. That was like juxtaposing him and uh, Colby Covington using their fights with RDA. Uh, that was a fun one. But yeah, the credentials, uh, NCAA champion, Division yeah, that's two. Right, that's which, right. Yeah, it was, it was very yeah. educational. I enjoyed. I enjoyed that. Yeah. It was a great. It was a different perspective. Again, that's why, like I said at the top of the show, why I'm having you on. And it's a, it's a different perspective even for people like myself. So it, it's a treat, man. So, yeah, yeah, wax on about Usman. He's not on my list. Yeah. So you're not stepping on any toes. The, the lane is cool. wide open, sir. Cool. Yeah, I'm pretty great. I agree. Uh, yeah, so at D2 champ, uh, Kamaru Usman, but uh, I think what lends more credibility to his credentials is that uh, his freestyle career, he did make a little run uh, to try to qualify for the Olympic trials because he's graduating right around the 2012 Olympics uh, on his way to trying to do that because he did not make to, he did not qualify for the trials, which is a very hard thing to do. It's not like anyone can show up and compete at the Olympic right. wrestling trials. You have to place at a, at a pretty tough tournament or win pretty tough tournaments to get there like us open or uh schultz or Farrell or something like that or be a returning ncaa champion d1 or returning world medalist stuff like that so it's super hard to qualify for the olympic trials just so people know uh so if it's if it's been said that someone competed at the olympic trials that means they were really good uh you can just know that um my dog is here right. <laughs> yeah hey, it's all good. uh she she ran away um Yes, he uh, he beat uh, NCAA champion uh, J.P. O'Connor uh, at one of these events. Uh, maybe it was like last chance qualifier or something like that. Um, so that's a big deal. He's knocking off NCAA champions. So like Woodley, I think, was talking trash on his credentials. I'm like, Woodley, did you beat any NCAA champions? I don't know because I didn't check. But <laughs> uh, this one's good. So that kind of speaks to his neutral ability that in freestyle he's taking down these guys who are way more credentialed than him. Um, and he had like a really close, uh, this is in, in the Fila era where the matches are split up into periods and like you had to win the period and that was like points. It was like best two out of three periods and it wasn't like the score carried over. I hate that. Um, but yeah, he, he had a really close match with uh, Jake Herbert, yeah. who's an NCAA yeah, champion himself yeah. and uh, Olympic silver medalist or world silver medalist, I forget, but great wrestler. So Usman credentials alone is, you know, putting himself in the conversation of, well, I don't believe that credentials are the reason someone should make the list. Like, it's worth saying um, that he was very good already coming in. And uh, I think Usman's, like, final form as a wrestler or, like, finally coming out of his shell t- took some time because uh, I think this wrestling for MMA concept is, like, how do I make my wrestling work in MMA? Like, sure. I'm already very yeah. good, but how do I enforce it? I don't think he was totally there for a long time. Like, I remember a particularly painful fight was uh, against Emil uh, Mech. That was that was really bad. Uh, that was the thirty percent fight. This is the thirty yeah. percent of, of my power. Uh, <laughs> uh, where he was just like having a really hard time finishing these shots in the cage. And it was very uh, labored. It, it was very. Uh, it was hard to watch. Uh, but yeah, but basically his his whole thing is that he's figured out the system of pressure striking, which he did not use against Colby Covington, which is upsetting. After I wrote the whole article about it, he has this pressure striking system. Yeah, I know. I, I wanted he, to see them how they matched up too. I thought he'd, he'd beat him up. Uh, yeah, he, he can get people within range to the cage, um, and then basically he's got this long entry on his singles. Uh, not like a dive bomby, like a crazy one like Khabib has, but he can cover a lot of distance with his freakish long arms uh, <laughs> to get to like uh, head and side singles, whatever he wants. 
uh, push that to the cage. And once you're on the cage, that's where he becomes probably one of the top five neutral wrestlers in MMA. Uh, his clinch grappling is pretty amazing, especially against the fence in the open space too, which is where a couple of times we saw him match up with Colby Covington. They did clinch briefly a couple of times, and every time he was, it looked like he was about to beat him up real bad, and then he just disengaged after he hit him a couple of times. But yeah, it's it's hard to say what exactly makes Usman so good technically in the clinch because I think a lot of it, a lot of it is that he's really really strong. And uh, Coach sure. Mike in one of his articles or a tweet or something said uh, he has a freaky android Martian strength. And like that sounds true to me. Wow. I don't I don't uh, think that like pure skill is how we should evaluate people because it's efficacy, right? And I think a lot of what makes him effective is he's super duper strong. Um, one of the things he's able to do is he plays like the long game when it comes to the clinch. He's not looking for short-term outcomes. He's thinking like, I'm going to be here for a while and I'm going to, you know, make you tired and then I'm going to beat you up. So like one of the things he'd do against RDA, for example, when RDA fought Colby Covington, there was all this space between their hips uh, when RDA's back was on the cage. And he was able to use that space to strike, to you know move Covington because Covington's hips were so far away. It really wasn't that hard to move his upper body because his hips weren't really involved. Whereas Usman's really comfortable pressing in his hips and then you know collapsing things and smothering you. And then when he wants to break off and work, he can break off and work, but he's super good at transitioning between like, you know, really like short uh, underhooks, like kind of like just kind of having his hand on the waist sometimes. That's like a really effective control position for him. He yeah, can switch yeah, easily and swim inside, double collar tie, strike, drop down to doubles uh, whenever he wants. So just having like the freedom to transition between positions whenever he wants is a really big deal for me. Um, in, in open space, he's a good wrestler as well, and he can flat wrestle this guy. I mean, if you follow him on Instagram or if you follow Michael Chandler on Instagram, yes. these guys post wrestling videos all the yeah. time. They're just flowing. They're not going super hard, uh, which is funny because Chandler dunks on him all the time because they're going like 75%, and that's just enough where Chandler can show off and like go a little harder. Oh, there's no soft with Chandler. I'll tell you that. There's no. <laughs> yeah. That dude is the definition of explosive. He hit a uh, he hit a magic stick on Usman, which is basically when someone reaches for your leg and you pass the leg over their head and go behind them. Uh, he hit a magic stick on him in practice. He's probably mad about that. Uh, but yeah, Chandler and Usman. If you watch those two wrestle, you'd be like, oh my god, they have incredible abilities in all stages. Like they're neutral, they're scrambling, everything. So Usman can flat wrestle. I think people see him as like the stiff kind of wrestler uh where he's like oh he's just strong and like you know digs people in the clinch but no, he he can turn it on if he wants to it's just that there aren't that many people right now in mma that can push him in that way um which is why i was really excited to see yeah, him wrestle yeah and he, he didn't but I, I feel like you have gears turning about usman right now like what do you what do you want to no no by the way i feel like uh, to strengthen your <laughs> argument as far as how it would play out i feel like Kobe. Colby all but gives credence, even more credence to that argument for the fact that he uh, didn't push it. That kind of tells you something as far as maybe where he thinks they stack up wrestling wise, regardless yeah. of your my yeah. opinion, right? Yeah, um, I think he knew. <laughs> but also, but but also, uh, when you talk about the flow of Chandler, like uh, I'm a good partner. That's one of the good things. I'm a, I'm not a good martial artist. I'm not a good wrestler. I'm not a good anything. Uh, but I could do a little bit of everything, and I'm a good training partner. And not enough people do that flow wrestling. I'm telling you, fighters, grapplers do more flow work you don't have to go hard on sparring save your joints 
Um, you know, I used to watch Jay Haran and Martin Campman. I'm going to burn these two names because they won't oh, come cool. up on this list. But <laughs> they used to do flow, like full MMA wrestling, uh, you know, MMA sparring. But a lot of it was clench, takedown, scrambles, back to the feet, and all the grappling positions that ensued. And so it was, it was primarily grappling. And, um, and I love watching stuff like that. And by the way, I also wanted to mention Campman because he's not going to get mentioned on this list. But you oh, want to yeah, talk about awesome. non-wrestlers who learned how to wrestle for MMA, like... And I watched him. I watched him do endless rounds with Tyson Griffin's brother, Kyle Griffin, uh, who I'm not familiar with his credentials, but a lot of guys have brought him in for camps, including Vitor and whatnot. But he would just drill and drill and drill with Kyle. And watching him, you know, just, just for defensive wrestling and these guys pick up. But uh, sorry, back over back over to your pick of Usman, though. Um, speaking of welterweights. Hey, we're talking about welterweights, at least, folks, in the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but back over to your welterweight pick, Usman. I figured he was going to come up, and I was hoping he would come up. That's a great point on collapsing the hips um, as far as that goes. And the way I characterize Usman, and you you brought up some of those points, and so I want to ask you, correct me if you if – you, if, Believe me, feel free to correct me. But I always characterize him as kind of an overachiever as far as when people were saying, oh, he's division this or as far as division that. And yeah. Back to your point, you kind of just said it yourself, right? You can't all credentials aren't everything. So I felt like he was an overachiever in that sense from a credential standpoint, but also positionally. Uh, you referenced the Martian strength. And, yeah, I feel like when I go back to watch his collegiate footage to some of his MMA footage, I feel like 9 out of 10 athletes – good wrestlers don't finish some of these takedowns from these specific uh, contextual positions within the context. And he, mm-hmm. he uses that freak freakish strength. But on the other side, as far as maybe why he doesn't get credit for his technical abilities, here's my theory is because, and I write about this when I'm more talking about his mat wrestling, but it, it applies in the clinch and just in general. Mm-hmm. He consistently makes high percentage choices. That sounds so simple. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like a no brainer, but no one in MMA really, like as far as percentages, makes consistently smart choices. And this guy is making consistent, not just smart, high percentage. I say that for a reason. High percentage choices with what he's choosing to do in the clinch, what he's choosing to do on the mat. And I think that's why he gets the results he does. But also, mm-hmm. maybe, may, and I, I don't know, I'm talking out of my ass here, Ed, but but that's just my theory as maybe why he doesn't get credit to what you were saying as is, is for not being technical or yeah, technical, 100%. I should say, in air, air quotes. 100%. And that's what I was getting ready to say, actually, is that I think the thing that really blows me away with him is that. Like, I don't have a super deep understanding of his game because he hasn't shown us that much because he hasn't had to. Sure. His plan A is working. You know what I mean? It's like he... Yeah. And I was about to mention, like, his freestyle experience. I think the way that's translated is he knows how to pick his battles. Um, where, you know, some people find him boring because he does spend a long time in positions that don't look super dynamic, even though I'm sure if you're in them, you're like, oh, my God, I can't move. This is such a slog. And then he's, like, beating on your body and, like, just putting you in ridiculous positions. Also, just if you want to add in... You know, we're talking about MMA wrestling. If you want to add in like ground and pound and dirty boxing to the mix, his dirty boxing, I mean, it's probably the best in the UFC right now, best in MMA right now, most likely. Uh, so the way he can manipulate people in the clinch to set up a lot of these positions, like he'll be able to take him to, he'll have an overhook. And he'll just be leaning in super hard on that one side, and like the hips are tight, so he doesn't really like you can't really escape on the other side. And he'll just start pounding hooks in the body like he did to Woodley. There's that gif where it just repeats over and over again. It looks like he's punching him forever. Yep. Like stuff like that. That's a big deal. So he can like bide his time and be dominant without really transitioning between positions too much. And then when he sees like, oh, your stance is narrow or oh, this overhook is loose or like, yeah, I, I have a clean way to change levels here. Double off and, and get you out of there. He's also somebody that can. Uh, there's a couple of things he does to finish shots in the cage that I really like. Frankie Edgar did this too. Um, 
take them off the cage. Like, take them off the cage completely. So <clears throat> it's not just, like, run them off and run them back on the cage. It's, like, hard, hard corner turn to finish it center. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he'll do that with, like, a single. He'll run the pipe out toward the center. Or he'll, uh, like, drop to his knees to, to, you know, seat your butt down in the center and then finish from there. Uh, so he's got a really good system of, of finishes. I feel like he definitely knows what he's doing. He thinks about these things before he does them. Things are on purpose, which is a very big deal for me. Mm. I love fighters who do things on purpose, which sounds crazy, but it's not that common. <laughs> so, yeah, Kamaru Usman is definitely uh, killing it right now. He's not super flashy, uh, so it's not like an obvious choice maybe for some people, but just I consider that neutral wrestling, just the way he can control things uh, from the feet and, and get those takedowns when he wants, and I don't think anyone's taking him down. So uh, definitely a, a, a good shout-out. On my end, I'm proud. Of, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> well, I like how our lists are varying out right now. I think they're, they're they're we're covering a lot of ground. That's for dang sure. Oh right? yeah. If you really think oh, about yeah. just so far, and we're not mm-hmm. even to number three, where I'm going to suggest a Chinese fire drill, and I'm going to spin the revolver around. It's going to point right back to you, sir. It's just Ooh. like we're in Deer Hunter here. What is, what is um, your? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go again. Yeah, you're going to take the lead again. Now you're going to take the lead Whoa. again as uh, <laughs> up until number one. So what made your uh, what made your number three selection it? This might be controversial. Not controversial because he's on my list, but because he's only number three. Uh, George St. Pierre. All right. Okay. Yeah. I, there's no way he wasn't making my list, just positioning people to be that. Sure, early. absolutely. Uh, yeah, George St. Pierre, number three. Uh, what, what can I say? Uh, in general, uh, GSP is an awesome shout because he is like the ultimate systems fighter. I feel like that's that's what I really find myself gravitating to as an analyst is someone who clearly thought about what they're going to do ahead of time and everything works together. Um, he is the fighter where that is the most true, uh, where everything works together. Um, that's not to discount all of the individual facets of his game, all of which are very good, but together that's what makes him you know a top three greatest of all time for pretty much everybody. Um, but yeah, George St. Pierre, uh, things about his wrestling, particularly from neutral, that are great. The double legs, just in general. Mechanically, it's great. Uh, athletically, it's great. Systematically, it's great. Um, he's kind of the person that ingrained like the reactive double as a valid strategy to a lot of people. Uh, just because I think once he had his full jabbing system down, uh, people were really eager to close distance on him, which is a great way to draw somebody into a double leg. Uh, so having a really lethal attack uh, from, from neutral is one awesome for MMA because, you know, you don't really have to have a huge variety of offense as a wrestler. You just need a couple looks that are going to get you to that, that thing. Um, so having just a great double leg is a great thing to have as, as an MMA wrestler because in wrestling, no one's coming at you like that. Almost never. Almost never except in freestyle when there's only a few seconds left and they jump over your head and try to like flying squirrel you, which happens more often than you'd think. Uh, <laughs> it's almost never happening where someone's like coming straight at you without any sort of tie-up and their hands are high, their hips are there for you. Like That's, that's a gift. Right. Um, and he, he took it. He took it, man. And he took it against you know, four-time All-American and NCAA champion Josh Koscheck. Yes. He took it against a guy like who I thought was an open space good wrestler, Tiago Alves, also incredibly strong hips. Uh, the guys he was beating in his prime, uh, I, I, I do rate a lot of their takedown defense. Like John Fitch, good wrestler, just flat good wrestler. Um, I don't think highly of his credentials or like I think of him as like a super lethal takedown artist or anything, but like guys like that, I, I really respect. Sure. Uh, the Johnny Hendricks fight is definitely tough, but... 
Right. My personal view of GSP's career is he had that knee injury. Uh, is either before or after the Diaz fight. I think Condit might have been the first one after yeah, the knee Condit injury. Yeah, Condit was the first one back because that was such a tough fight. Yeah, yeah, he had he had a bit he had a lot of trouble with that injury. I mean, like the, it was everyone's eating up all the news because he's gone for an extended period of time. So everyone's like, "Well, how's GSP? Is he recovering?" I was following it as close as anyone else, and like it it didn't take. Like he he injured the other knee, he re-injured that knee, yeah, and like right. there was a lot of issues. And like for someone who's so explosive. And a lot of their efficacy comes from being an athlete. Um, that's that's a tough thing to go through. So I think his uh, his shot got a little weaker after he came back. Um, not that like Condit's hard to take down, so you didn't really notice then. His Condit's really easy to take down. Right. Uh, not to say he's a bad fighter. It's just not a thing. No, he's good no, at. totally, he absolutely, to sure. Either. Um, yeah. But yeah, against Hendricks, you really saw it where, and that's not to say Hendricks is easy to take down. Obviously, he isn't. He's a two-time NCAA champion, three-time finalist. Uh, but against Hendricks, he just kind of saw the limitations, especially because uh, the stance matchup, it kind of took away GSP's jab, mm-hmm. and a lot of things happened in that fight where that kind of didn't expose the issues with this game, because he's post-prime at this point, most people would agree. Totally. But it just kind of illustrated the limitations of where his wrestling can go. I think in a vacuum, he's not all that as a wrestler. Uh, there's a video of him like having a friendly wrestling match with like a football player or something like that on, on YouTube. Uh, that I've seen, I'm just like, it's not like that much to take away from it because it's like a big guy, it's much bigger than him. But I'm just like watching what he does, and just like looking at how he tries to wrestle. Nothing impressive happening there. Um, like when he like, actually has to like get his hands on someone and sh- set up a shot, um, like he's getting to a single and stuff like that. Like there's decent things going on, but I wasn't blown away. It really illustrates how impressive it is that he worked the system together to make him look like a lights out wrestler. Like, amazing and people are like oh he could go to the olympics uh, which is definitely not true <laughs> so like big big shout to gsp for having this uh really effective system uh awesome attacks um good against the cage good singles i mean like great 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 defense his hips are ridiculous um like just a, a great wrestler definitely a huge shout for me uh the reason he doesn't go higher is just because i don't think it has the depth people want it to um so definitely effective but i think there are limitations as well Totally. He's uh he's on my list as you'd guess. You sunk my battleship. He's actually my number one. Uh no, not because I want to be an ultimate hipster asshole and a wrestler's list with two guys that wear geese to the ring. Uh yeah. <laughs> which my list starts and ends with. So I'm probably gonna get stoned for that. But no, um and I don't take any issue. I think you illustrated it nicely there and also before as far as the analyst perspective, uh, parsing out these picks. And I definitely did do that myself and I don't disagree with that process. I sign off on that. However, like I remind everybody watching or anybody, you know, criticizing these lists, any, anyone's top five list, right? This isn't anything new here. We're doing, um, is that they're subjective just like pound for pound. This is a, essentially, it's like, we're always doing a pound for pound list. And my, my list is my list. Ed's list is Ed's list. And particular to my list being my list, when I'm having trouble, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, am I picking this one because this makes more sense, so to speak, right? Or am I picking this this because it's it's my pick? Um, so I always try to stay true to that as best I can. And maybe that's why George St. Pierre is so high on this list for me. Yeah. Uh, he's number one. Um, but, but yes, as far as, you know, if I want to back it up with some... Uh, you know some empirical evidence here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely point to the functionality of his game, mm-hmm. um, and the fanciness of it too. You know, I mean, like 
you could, you know, technically be like the first time he beats a wrestler and it's super impressive was Frank Trigg, which is technically the truth because Frank Trigg, uh, w- w- whether you like him or not, he was one, he's he's one of the higher uh, credentialed wrestlers active in the welterweight division at this time. We're That's going not, back yeah. to the mid aughts, okay, right, folks? Um, he had that rivalry with Hughes, etc. This is that same guy. And St. Pierre just wiped the floor with him, doing the backflips after he backmounts and out-wrestles him. Like, that was yeah. actually the, the first Josh Koscheck versus George St. Pierre one was was actually GSP versus Frank Trigg. But yes, also go back and watch the one I referenced, um, George St. Pierre versus Josh Koscheck once, because he, we're checking the deep, uh, not just wrestling here, where it's really coming into the forefront, but this example uh, gets the check box, box of defense. You know, my two favorite gifts as far as takedown defense was... Uh, I forget the name of the wrestler now. I know he had to do with the cage fighter brand. He would coach a lot of guys. He's a real credentialed wrestler, but he's uh, in one of BJ's camps, and he 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 he's got like a single leg lift, and he starts running him toward the cage, and BJ pens in midair, and he starts kind of one leg dancing off the uh, off the cage, and. George St. Pierre has a similar one, except it's a different takedown. I believe it's just it's some type of uh, power double or some type of variation of that. Koscheck's going for it. Uh, but I'm not really paying attention to Koscheck. It's St. Pierre. His, his hips are just popping up and also pushing down, driving his opponent down, which almost seems like it's elevating him up like he's goddamn Michael Jordan of, of, of wrestling <laughs> defense. And he's literally like, really like experiencing the air up there. It's one of my favorite sprawls. Of course, George St. Pierre. Um, I'll reference, I think, three or four matchups here as far as George St. Pierre wrestling. There's that fight, right? Uh, then there's one of my favorite ones, which is we're getting into the, you know, you mentioned John Fitch. It's around that era. Um, we don't see too much with the BJ Penn fight that comes after the Fitch fight because he's more working on closing BJ's striking down and tiring him out first. So it was more conservative style takedowns from the clinch. But that Tiago Alves fight, you know, for the reasons you said, Ed, as far as Tiago Alves being underrated but when we saw him whether it was a grinder like Fitch or a guy with powerful leg kicks like Thiago Alves we really got to see George St. Pierre use his mobility to avoid said fighter's strength but he had to use that mobility to set up takedowns as well and whether he's dancing around doing the leg kick to the you know down you know you want to talk about athletic you know takedowns uh yeah uh you know for the the Russian cats were doing yeah yeah I mean George St. Pierre was doing them off the lead leg as well and then one of my favorite ones, I believe he was training with the, the Canadian wrestling team at the time. Uh, take for that what you will. But this, along with that fight with Condit, it's probably the most hulked up and big you see George St. Pierre. I don't think this fight was on that short of notice, but like George St. Pierre was like almost like a chameleon at this point. You know, he, He's unveiling a jab here, he's unveiling wrestling here. And it was almost like he was specifically designing the plan for these fighters. And he comes in to his rematch against Matt Hughes, or the trilogy. He beat him. But he beat him by strikes, folks. Matt Hughes still had, uh, was the superior wrestler on paper, had the submission victory, the grappling dominance over him on paper, right? Mm-hmm. And man, the takedowns we see in that fight, particularly from the clinch, there's one in particular where he just tosses him in the air <laughs> like a kid. I mean, it is one of my favorite takedowns ever. Those are my three favorite wrestling George St. Pierre performance fights right there. But, but mm-hmm. great, 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 great shout. Yeah, I love I love when he threw Hughes. <laughs> yes. Some some people will probably like put Hughes on their list. It's interesting. Just in terms of like how I view, uh, people might be wondering. They might not be how I view like considering things for the era, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I I tend to go just recent. Like let's go with like right now in context. Um, so like someone like uh Kevin Randleman, who is in 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 a vacuum, an awesome wrestler. Uh, and still like 
pulled off tons of crazy stuff in MMA, like reactive doubles, uh, the insane mat return that he hit on Fedor, stuff like that. Like, that's all great. Uh, but and even at the time, he wasn't the best at setting up his wrestling and wasn't the best at like understanding how you get those positions. And it mostly just had to do with him not really uh, having much of a striking game. He had a couple weapons, but not much of a game. And then his ground game wasn't really there either. It's just, you know, uh, rest in peace, obviously, Kevin Randleman. But that's somebody like if we were saying just like for the era, how good were they? Were they? I'd go, you know, number two number one for that but just like i'm considering if i'm judging them if they were here today which isn't fair because they weren't fighting people from today totally but I don't, totally i don't care about that <laughs> but no no you know what it, it's fair because i'm a big fan of like giving classic its due and i'm usually that guy that's trying to be yeah. w- w- genuine contrarian all the above uh at the same time yeah you're right for, for for a lot of the reasons you said like a lot of the classic guys aren't getting shine on this list like matt hughes mm-hmm. isn't on my list i mean in the truncated version i do from a junkie i may throw him in the honorable mention Nice. Um, because of what he what he means in context, and one other thing I will say, Matt Hughes in context, like the same reason I didn't put Sean Shirk. Well, that fish got eaten by Matt Hughes, or by Matt Hughes, and the Matt Hughes fish got eaten by the George St. Pierre fish. And not that I like to go by MMA math, but it does help parse the list out pretty effectively yeah. in this, because especially That's when we saw all those head to heads, all we saw that triangle play out. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So we know how all those iterations of the matchups go. Um, but I will give credit Hughes for this. He was one of the first guys. Now. You want to judge his cleanness, his technique. That's on you, that especially. Um, and again, you got to do context with the era. However, he was one of the first guys preaching uh, chain wrestling early. Yeah. It wasn't about yeah. the first. He, he was already saying, even in the mid aughts, he was saying, "Guys in MMA are getting good at really defending that first attack. We got to focus on attacks two, three, and four." And I'm a big chain wrestling guy, so that that um, that mm-hmm. ranks that ranks highly with me. So I do want to give Matt Hughes credit as far as that regard, but yeah, he's not For on my sure. list. You're gonna uh, you're gonna like my honorable mention then. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. All right, well, my my number three man might is you know I'll probably be as emphatic as this, which I just did for my altered number my altered number three. So um, my number three uh, is um, yeah, we'll just keep going this way actually. So my number three is is, is another one where um, I, I don't even know if he makes most people's list, but again, keep in mind I'm gonna keep Clench and Matt and, and stuff for a separate uh, a separate sure. list. Um, and this is a guy that I, I talk a lot about, so perhaps there's some bias there. But specifically when we talk about boxing and wrestling, right? You said that was your focus for Frankie Edgar. Now the person mm-hmm. who taught that to me was a guy I've referenced on here before, old coach of mine, Joey Varner. He's fought a couple times too, but. Um, uh, coach Extreme Couture is a matchmaker, etc. But I remember about 2008. So this is this fighter is fighting, but he's not on his run. He's not known for what he's doing. So we're not talking about him. But Joey's explaining to me a, about the connection to boxing and wrestling, and and particularly about the footwork. We talked about the level changing aspect mm-hmm. of it, but the footwork and the angles and the bouncing, the staying light on your toes, and looking for those yeah. angles. And essentially, the conversation and the lesson he imparted to me was was that there are plenty of iterations and everybody has to find their own style. How uh, That is true, but you do need to understand the connection between the two because if you un- the better you understand how one links to the other. And by the way, Brian Caraway actually is the only other person that I've had this conversation with in depth, and he it was unrelated, but he had similar points um, as far as one makes the other, be- uh, the, the other better. So... You know, if you understand wrestling angles and you're a wrestler, you start applying that. You're gonna start once you start finding those common threads. Chances are your striking probably gonna improve a little better than just trying to 
I'm a boxer now. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer a wrestler. Like, no, you can still be a wrestler. You just need to learn how to incorporate those things and vice versa. And Dominic Cruz, I would argue, did that. Like Frank Yeager, who we nice. were talking about, he broke a lot of footwork rules, right? Uh, especially from a striking standpoint. But if you think about it in a wrestling standpoint and where those two lanes intersect as far as gaining those angles, again, feints aren't just for striking. Feints are for, are, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if we call them that in wrestling, Ed. But, you know, uh, uh, fakes are, are a big part of a lot of some guys more than others, granted, some styles. But they're prevalent in there as far as the footwork, sure. the engaging, the feeling out process. And Dominic Cruz, you want to talk about neutral space. I mean, to argue that he could be on this list, I will say that, like, the neutral space, uh, the way we laid context, especially how Ed explained it, was like, you could argue Dominic Cruz lives in this neutral space. He's mm-hmm. never in one position for a long time. Uh, one thing that scores well with me, again, is defense, even though there's one guy on here I, I left out. Um, who I wanted to give a defensive shout. But, like, you can have a stopwatch and go through and watch all Dominic Cruz's fights because I just recently have yet again. And <laughs> tell me when you get to six or seven seconds when his back hits the fence because it's not going to get there. Um, you right. might It might touch six seconds maybe once. But because, yes, folks, the guy that, that's in your ear and newer fans that's screaming underhooks from the commentary position, <laughs> he knows why – there's a reason why he's saying it. And he practices what he preaches. Uh, you cannot keep him under there. He is doing techniques that we would see, you know, um, these hybrid guys who are giving credit now, like the Robert Whitaker and Max Holloways of the world. Like, he's doing these yeah. things to thwart people of trying to contain him already, you know, as far as you got the underhook, but you only got it on one side, which he was always diligent about to at least have the one. And then he's using Mm -hmm. the collar tie variation, faking one way and swinging out toward the other. Like he was doing that before these Robert Whitakers and Max Holloway's were earning titles doing it. Like, um, and just setting up his takedown. One of my favorite takedowns, the knee tap, um, he would, you know, do variations when he needed to. I think he even goes like bars a guard a couple times in the WEC, Mm Um, and, 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 and even though I don't really consider, you know, like I, I, I threw out a Peterson reference earlier, like Kelvin Gaslam's another guy who uses Peterson rolls really well. I'm a Peterson roll nut, Ed. Okay. It's one of my favorite things uh, again, cause my wrestling is more, more toward, uh, more toward Matt. And one of the things I noticed yeah. is if you're in turtle position and you can't grab the single, I'm hardwired. So I'm always going to swim for the single. But there was a portion when I just learned what the Peterson roll was. And when I learned what that was, I would always bait guys. I would keep a. I would keep the elbow tight uh, on the near side so they didn't insert any hooks and start taking my back. But then I would leave this hand kind of lazily out like I was reaching and leaving this area open because most guys will go to that. In MMA, they'll go right to that side ride, right, and look to punch. And you can take that and Peterson roll it. And Dominic Cruz would hit that all the time as well. On the seldom occasions, a guy could get on top of him in a scramble. You look at his fights, his earlier ones with Uriah Faber. I believe his second fight with Faber. He hits a beautiful Peterson roll in that almost exact scenario. And then lands in a clean side control. Because if you follow the Peterson roll and you follow through, you can either come up, depending where your your leg is, you kind of come up, as I explained it, into like a double leg position where you can just throw their, your shoulder into their stomach and kind of work from there. Cruz... He lands in just like a perfect side control position. Um, he'll also do kind of Navy ride variations like I talk about with Khabib, except he doesn't sell out for the Dagestani handcuffs or kind of parlay the motion like Khabib will. Well, he'll parlay it into a leg wrap or, uh, or, or or some kind of trapping. What Cruz will do more so is he'll go into like almost like, and he doesn't do it that often, uh, and he doesn't hold it, 
but if you let him, he will turn almost the Navy ride into a leg drag variation. I don't know about you, Ed, but leg drag ground and pound like gets me, gets me, gets me <laughs> stiff. I'm sorry. It's like it's my favorite. Like leg drag for people that don't know what the leg drag position in jujitsu uh, is. is off, I'm using jujitsu terminology here for the wrestling topic. Um, it's essentially looks like it's a porno position, except the person is probably gonna get effed a lot harder and in a different way. Um, is my best way to to explain the leg drag. But like Dominic Cruz would parlay all these positions so well, and and uh, I know we're not going to count Matt wrestling as far as why he earns a spot on this list. But sure. living in that ne- negative neutral space, being able to control it, being able to disrupt action when guys are trying to pressure him and and just remind him of these layers of technical detail. Like you'll see guys try to swim up into him and turtle. You'll see him reach, reach and pick an ankle and lift it. Cause he knows that's going to give him the leverage to circle out to safety. Like it, it, there's so much little things that he does for someone like me who appreciates the little things. Um, Dominic Cruz gets a number, number three, but adjusted number two to, on this list. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm a big Cruz stand as well in terms of wrestling. Uh, I've written three, three now, three articles about Cruz and, and his wrestling game. So I did a, a two-parter just about overall his wrestling. I did one for his WC career and then one for his UFC career. Uh, those were for MMA soccer, actually. That's how long ago that was. Really, really fun one. Uh, so, yeah, and, and in it, I basically, the thesis was, like, all leading towards answering the question of, like, what happened in the Cody Garbrandt fight because I'm, like, a someone who's really annoyed when uh, – there's like a popular narrative that I think isn't true. Uh, so one of them is that like Cody Garbrandt like completely like was was a completely different guy in that fight than he is in other fights. You know what I mean? It was like I, I wanted to point how the the unique style match of of Cruz Garbrandt is why that fight looked that way, not because Garbrandt was like just in another you know galaxy mm-hmm. that day like than he is normally. But it's just because Garbrandt's a stud wrestler too, uh, and because Cruz is. Uh, you know, there were mechanical and, you know, fundamental issues with his leads, uh, with his leads as a striker. He couldn't, you know, freeze Garbrandt up. He couldn't plan him. He couldn't get him defending the way he wanted to. It's like early on in Cruz's career, the way he would get his double leg entries is he was just confusing people on his timing and his entries, like where they would come from, the strike selection, stuff like that. And a lot of the time guys were either shelling up or they're swinging back hard to the head. Um, and that's a great entry opportunity. Uh, whereas Garbrandt, yeah, he's swinging for the head, but he, his eyes are open. Yep. You know what I mean? He yep. sees you coming. He's not going to like plant and wait for you and swing on you. Um, he sees you coming. So like that was not working for him. And then when they did end up in a wrestling situation, uh, Garbrandt can scramble his ass off. So that wasn't really working out. And then uh, when Cruz is getting you know crazy with his entries, Garbrandt doubles him off his butt. So it's like <laughs> one of those things where when he can't establish the wrestling, his striking doesn't work. When he can't establish his striking, his wrestling doesn't work. Uh, from a neutral standpoint that's not why he's not on the list or anything like that i just kind of forgot about him honestly totally. despite having written about him three times i still forgot about him uh but yeah <laughs> dude it happens awesome in this game there's so much, there's way too much dunbar's number there's too much events there's too much yeah. fighters it's too much yeah. to remember man. I, I i really locked on to like five or six like six or seven guys like right away and i was like okay how am i going to figure out this list and i didn't even try to bring other guys in because i'm like already trying to pare down the ones i have but yeah cruz is an awesome shout and and i won't even talk that much more about it just because I, I wrote about it so many times but his uh and just in terms of how boxing and, and wrestling work together uh the the double he hit on Mizugaki uh was awesome because it was like a long time coming too it was yes. like years of cruise footage set up that set up that double just because he's always darting off to that side on the, on the lead straight and 
time after time people swing on him to you know to cut him off when he when he's trying to exit to that angle. So he hits this dart, and Mizugaki's been following him around trying to swing on him for yep. like the 30 seconds that the fight is happening. He hits that dart, comes off to the side. Mizugaki, you know, lifts his hands up to throw the counter, and he's gone. Yeah, you know, that's the level change. And so the finish on it was really beautiful, like really high leg finish. Um, on that, you know, I know you like your flashy double leg finishes. You like the Barzagar finish, and you like the sprawl from the. I think the the GSP Koshak one you're talking about. Yeah. I think that was Koshak trying to Barzagar, and then the GSP flew through the air to defend it. Uh, but yeah, like this, there's there's so many things I can point to where Cruz just did an awesome wrestling thing and like he, he's just a fantastic wrestler which is crazy because he was not a good wrestler uh before mma <laughs> he wasn't yeah, anything he's, he doesn't have high credentials <laughs> at all like he, he got yeah. yeah like uh, he started young bloomer. and that's about it <laughs> like uh no totally and i like that Mizugaki fight because it's one of those examples like i mentioned like kind of like the navy ride variation or other variations where you can shelf legs which i, I love but, like, yeah. Cruz, even if those shelves weren't there that he liked, he would make them happen. I believe one of the Mizugaki one were just, it's simple shit. Just pick a limb up and make someone post mm-hmm. weight somewhere. Like, that's my favorite yeah. type of wrestling. That's the smartest type of wrestling. You don't do anything fancy. You're picking part of their limb up because, you know, he's like, for Mizugaki, he's trying to climb to get his back to the fence. He's like, no, I'd rather have your back on the mat. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift this leg up here. And that's going to make you uh, a, a real pain to, to get your leverage back in balance. And... Mm-hmm. Cruz did a bunch of um, Cruz did a bunch of that man. So yeah, he's definitely he's definitely got to he's definitely got to make this list for me. So um, yeah, awesome. that was that was my number three. Uh, number two, sir. Who made your number two? We're getting into the money time now. It's weird that you say money because it's Chad Mendez. Oh, <laughs> that's so weird. Oh wow, <laughs> nice, nice. I appreciate this one again. He's one of the few guys I. Who I I delve deep into the uh, as deep as the footage would allow me into his college career. So yeah, uh, go yeah. ahead, please. I, I you know weird enough as, as like a guy who wrote like the article the the wrestling for MMA Chad Mendez article on him for Bloody Elbow. Like I didn't actually look at that much college footage because I find myself uh, spending too much time on articles sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm a person who has written like seven thousand word articles before, which is not to brag about long articles because it's not all it's cracked up to be sometimes. Shout out to Fight Site author Ryan Wagner, who wrote a 20,000-word article on Josie Aldo, I believe. It was like 10 or 20. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was worth it, but it's really long. I've been trending away from that. I've been trying to chop it down. Actually, shout out to Coach Mike for warning me, saying, this is not going to last. You're going to burn out if you keep doing this. And I, hadn't, I didn't feel it at the time. And then maybe like a couple weeks later, I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like doing this anymore. <laughs> and I, I stopped trying to, to be that guy. Uh, anyway, so no, yeah, no, I, I tried to true. focus less. Very true. Tried to focus less on the on the college careers because for some of these guys, I could find a lot of footage. And I'm like, ooh, I have a lot to work with here. Like Gregor Gillespie, for example, I had a lot to go with, so I used it. Um, and then I like, I was putting in matches and talking about matches of guys that he wasn't even involved in. I was like, oh, he beat this guy, and here's this guy versus someone else, and let's talk about that. I'm like, what am I right, doing this? Right. Tangent. But uh, yeah, so Chad Mendez, uh, I I am. Uh, I would say of of wrestlers, you know, people who wrestle in MMA and people who are wrestlers, Chad Mendez is my favorite fighter. Uh, has been for a very long time for many, many reasons. Uh, if you want to talk about stupid, crazy athletes, there's Dude, top, no. top five in MMA history, Insane. I would say. Insane. Uh, just, I can't even, 
explain the uh, the core strength, the the explosivity, the cardio, the everything. Everything is perfect. Uh, he he's an amazing, well-rounded athlete, um, and an absolute sweetheart of a guy too, which makes you want to love him even more. Um, but yeah, Chad Mendes is cool because uh, his wrestling evolved so much in MMA from his early WC to, to the end of his UFC career. But his, the tools he was using didn't. Like he used the same tools the whole time, but just he understood how to use them more and more and more as things went on. Totally. Uh, we talk about like guys running at you. Uh, that's kind of what it was like in his early in his WC career. Guys were running at him. He was like, okay, double leg. Yep. Um, which is funny because in his college career, he wasn't totally that guy. Like, yeah. You, you would yeah. go back and no, watch totally. his college career Absolutely. and be like, oh, like he's gonna be shooting from the outside a lot, but like, it's not the same dynamic. So he wasn't that guy. He's Mr. Front Headlock. That's yes. his game. Like yes. he is awesome from front headlock. He's like a little snap down, man. Oh man, yeah, he's so strong, and, and he he gets to his shots from there. It's not just the offense on front headlock; it's the way he transitions from the snap game mm-hmm. to the legs. Very similar to Yoel Romero. They have very similar wrestling games, actually. Um, Yoel is just more freestyle adapted. But yeah, Chad Mendes is so interesting because he wasn't this guy, and as soon as he gets to MMA, he sees what's there. He's like, okay, these guys are gonna run at me hips first. I'm a double leg all of them because he has a good double, obviously. Right. Right. Um, uh, an interesting note is just that, uh, I mean, obviously the, these entries led to other wrestling situations. So like you got to see a lot of his depth pretty early on, like his like Matt returns from rear standing or his body locks or, you know, the way he could switch off to a single and double off the single and the way he could do it on the cage and his upper body game. I think his upper body game is something that's really underrated because you yes. don't get to use it as much, uh, in the UFC career, but he, he's a big throw guy. He likes to body lock. He likes to go big. Uh, as you'd expect from an athlete of his caliber. I think that's like a, there's a correlation there between really athletic guys and guys that like to go upper body uh, because it does require a little bit more athleticism than finishing a leg attack, I'd say. Um, or just more body awareness, more body awareness and understanding. Yeah. Uh, so, like, right off the bat, super athletic, super well rounded as a wrestler, you know, very specialized with his strengths. Uh, but then, you know, as he goes through his career, you see him being somebody who, one, understands the way positioning works in terms of like oh when i throw this punch it looks like this wrestling you know look uh yeah when i level change on my overhand it could also be my level change on my double leg and i can throw to the body and that looks like a level change on a double leg and i can mix in the threat of the overhand you know the body shot and and the shot entry and i can use them all together to set each other up and he's someone that kind of mastered that uh, which is like if you're a wrestler if you're someone who takes leg attacks that should be the first thing you're doing yes. because that, that is so useful because that can get you to land the overhand, it can get you to land the body shot, and it can get you to hit the leg attack. Or you go a hybrid and you can go punching into the leg attack, which is even cooler because you get to do both. Um, so he's someone that was really good at that. Um, someone who, like Frankie Edgar, had really awesome finishing mechanics, really good footwork on his shots. So even if you like didn't blow you off your feet right away, he would keep running it and he would find a way to finish or do you find a way to transition to like Get you to rear standing and mat returning or whatever. Um, something that me and, and Ryan Wagner and a few other people have been talking about forever is that Chad Mendes, <clears throat> on his double leg entries, he's entering with his head on the right side. Uh, when you get taught a double leg, like in a wrestling context, you're supposed to finish with your head. You're supposed to use your head on the hip. So if I, I'm entering and my head's on your left side, I'm going to be you know, collapsing the legs this way, using my head this way, doing everything the same side to, to blow you over because you're here and I want you to be this way so the leverage makes sense. Um, Chad Mendes a bunch of times because he had that great spear double where he could just go right through people. Yeah. But he also oh, yeah. would like finish it kind of like Cruz does 
um, where he'd kind of drag off to the side. Yes. And, and yep. more of like a knee tap style yeah. finish where he's kind of high on the hip and, and collapsing the leg on one side. His head's going this way. See, he's on the hip and he's finishing the shot this way. His head's over here and his head's going that way. So his head's not really in the picture. I'm like, what's going on here? And Ryan's always asking me, like, why does he do this? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and finally, like, uh, a couple people piped in. Zach Makovsky piped up, first of all. Oh, nice. Zach Makovsky said nice. that uh, Zach Makovsky is probably the fighter I've seen engage the most with analysts on Twitter. So we, we thank you so much for doing that because we have so many questions Absolutely. and you have answers. Uh, yeah, Zach Makovsky said that in an MMA context, because you're not usually fully penetration hitting that penetration step and like level changing and hitting your knees and working from that position is actually pretty tough to like plant yourself and, and, and use that mm-hmm. and finish in that way because you are transitioning from striking to grappling. So it's not easy to go from fully upright to fully level changed like uh, Rusam Karimov <laughs> can. Right. Not everyone can do that. It's hard. Uh, and it uses a lot of energy. And plus, if you screw up and your distancing was wrong and, and you, you did something wrong, and you fully squat down in front of somebody or you like commit hard with your face, um, you're going to get messed up probably. Uh, or they're going to get it to you, something like that. So that, that's first of all. It's just dangerous to fully level change. I get it. But there are plenty of people who pull it off. You have to be careful about how you're going to do that, that deep level change. Um, so that's first of all. Because Chad Mendes is someone that finishes his shots on the feet. He doesn't yes. drop to his knees. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he's running it through on the feet. So the finish is really important. Um, yeah, it, he basically just said it's it's tough to do it that way, and it's actually easier just to focus on running them in whatever direction you want to run them in, and using your arms and the footwork to collapse their base and, and finish it, rather than using your head and trying to do all these things. And totally. especially if you're like in a stance you're not used to wrestling out of, because he was right like lead right in college. Uh, hard, hard to remember right now. No, yeah, I don't I, I don't remember uh, yeah. no, offhand no. Um, I was going to see switching in a yeah, but go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say though, like, that's a great point about the head. Cause like, I'm someone that says like, you don't use your head enough. Um, uh, mm-hmm. people use their head enough from grappling. And usually I'm referring to like, whether it's Randy Couture clench under the chin or using yeah. your head as a post, which is super underrated. I love like, using ju- my head ju- as a post. Jiu-jitsu guys, like <laughs> you're jujitsu guys. You love using your arms to choke. Why aren't you using your head to post? Like it blows me mm-hmm. the fuck away. Um, another rant, just like another rant. Why we don't see more cradles in MMA. It's the most like stupidest thing. Like, I had, guard pass. I had a <laughs> yeah, like I, I had a, I not to name drop, and this isn't the name to name drop, obviously, but like I even had a conversation with Colby Covington about this. Like I'm like, dude, why the hell? Like anytime I can get an ear of a wrestler uh, in MMA of a high level, I'm like, why aren't we seeing cradles in MMA? It's the stupidest freaking thing. I'm sorry, uh-huh. it's a, it's a tangent. Like everyone, oh, Darren Elkins is big knockout over. Uh, it was set up by a fucking cradle. Okay, a cradle <laughs> is the reason for that knockout. If you trace it back, sorry, cradles don't get That's enough awesome. shine. Cradles are the Scotty <laughs> Pippen of the grappling world. Uh, no, but uh, but um, no. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. But no, that, that that's a great um. God, no, wow! I'm getting I'm getting really ridiculously sidetracked here. It's cool. Uh, um, I like it. No, 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 no. Uh, save me. Who the fuck were we just talking about? This is why you don't. Chad get Mendez head, head Mendes, on, on the opposite side, not using his head. Yeah, it, it makes sense though, because like people don't use their head enough, right? And uh, that's that that's what led me off on the ta- tangent. Sorry. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like that makes perfect sense as to why that head the head isn't being used. And don't you love that? Like shouts to Zach Makovsky as well. I'm a big fan of his. Like when the answer is something so common sense and that makes so much sense, you're like, yeah, that actually is pretty. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like that makes a ton sure. of sense. Like yeah, you gotta find different ways. Like back to your, our guy Dominic Cruz and his variations. Like you know he's not using his head much and like 
I don't know. It's hard for me to weigh in because, uh, again, I only wrestled with the wrestling team, but I did not. I was not officially a part of the wrestling team in high school, sure. and my wrestling was the worst part of my mixed martial arts adventure and journey. And I didn't steer, as you could tell by these ears, I didn't do much steering um, at all. Unless I'm deep in on a single, I don't really. I, there wasn't much, you know, as far as MMA context, as far as head steering goes. So yeah, that makes actually perfect sense. Uh-huh. On why Mendez didn't do it. Um, Mendez, I love watching him in high school. I love that you mentioned the uh, front headlock to the double. And also mm-hmm. how you mentioned as far as how his overhand played into that. Because it's like it's like this thing. Um, again, I'm not trying to keep plugging my Twitter here. But I, I tweeted this the other day. <laughs> like whether you're working from a guard as a jiu-jitsu guy or you're attacking as a wrestler. You need to understand the concept that going from high to low, low to high and repeating the process is going to produce results. Yes. It, what you do to capitalize on that is up to you, but it will produce results. Um, and I was saying in regards to uh, a, a Chael Sonnen versus Tim McKenzie fight where he goes double leg, gets him to overreact in the sprawl, which opens up the front headlock, and he goes from the front headlock back down low to the inside trip, and then all of a sudden that lock now turns nice. into a darce. And he went high-low, high-low, right? Or, you know, I talk about Frank Shamrock being one of the first guys in the late 90s. He's attacking with the guard, but then it opens up to the leg lock, you know, um, high-low in, in jiu-jitsu as well. It, it's, it's, it's just a principle um, that is there. And Chad Mendez, like, he had that down as far as his front headlock. You even see jiu-jitsu guys explain that. Like, uh, like, like even Marcelo Garcia, he had, he had this thing uh, where he explains the arm drag into a double leg. And I remember... You know, attaching that with the high-low theory and to, like, kind of what Mendez was using, using something up high to muscle somebody up high, when what you're really mm-hmm. wanting to attack is actually down low. Like, just by even doing just a shitty arm drag where I didn't even get the arm drag to the person's back, for whatever reason, my double legs went up. As soon as I started incorporating that little crappy arm drag first, all of a sudden my entries were that much better, and I don't know what it was. And mm-hmm. Chad Mendez, especially if you watch his collegiate career, you see him working all these, like, variations of it, and there's a match... I don't know what it is, but like watching him against tall, lanky, funky wrestlers was like my favorite styles match as far as wrestlers go. Because you have this athletic ball of muscle versus like long, lanky, funk guys. Like it was always a Jay fun Jaggers. Match. There we go. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only reason finishing up on Chad Mendes is why I went deep into his career. I think the theme of the article was I think he was going to grappling, like, was, he, was it Glover? I forget. Jeff Glover, yeah. Yeah. He won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it was essentially like, just comparing his collegiate to his MMA career, as far as like the uh, the bro- always the bridesmaid. I forget. I compared him to a to a sports team that would always make the uh, championships and not yeah. not win. So I guess that was my 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 article why why I ended up going way deep sure. back there. But yeah, yeah. One more point on on Chad Mendez. That's like half. That's half of why he's he's my number two. Uh, oh, his shit. defense. Okay, go. Yeah. His defense is Insane. freaking ridiculous. Uh, not that many people tried to take him down, but some of the ones that did are, are pretty effective MMA wrestlers, uh, Clay Guida and Nick Lentz. He made them look so stupid for trying. He made it look like it's impossible to take him down. And one of the craziest things I saw was, like, they tried to take him down against, like, in the space near the cage. They're yeah. like, I'm going to get this shot. And even though he's got, you know, ridiculous hips and he's so much stronger than me, I can get him to the cage and I can wear on him. No. His sprawl, his hips and his positioning is so strong that he was, like, sinking his hips somehow. So far, he was able to still fit his legs in front of the cage and hit like a full sprawl and circle out before they could get him there. The distance was oh, right. Everything was right. And he's just like, no, it's impossible to take me down. I think Uriah Faber said like maybe once ever he's taken Mendez down in practice. Like it's just not a thing that's possible to do. Um, wow. he, he's crazy. Yeah, for, as far as college career, uh, yeah, he uh, he aa a couple times and he made the finals his senior year. And 
there was a really controversial no takedown call in the second period where he uh, it was like the same as the Logan Steeper Jordan Oliver call where uh, he has him on his butt with both legs collected and he's got like a chest strap position basically to, to stall it out and they don't call the takedown but like I have both your legs you're on your butt yes yeah what are you doing yep. this is a takedown and they don't call it and it really changed the dynamic of the match and uh, Jagger breaks his ankle in the last like. 30 yes. seconds or something like that and hangs yeah. on and survives. So everyone's like, oh, he lost to Jaggers on a broken ankle. I'm like, Jaggers only broke his ankle at the end, first of all. But, <laughs> but yeah, and Jaggers is great, too, because it's not like it was yes. a bad guy to lose to. But yeah, Chad, poor Chad, didn't get an NCAA title and didn't get a UFC title. But as far as, like, skills, athleticism, everything, he's, like, an all-time best for me, if that makes sense. Because his resume, unfortunately, doesn't really stand out because he doesn't have a lot of the name wins. Uh, even though his competition was solid, it just wasn't like outstanding. And you know what he's known for is doing really well against guys and losing to really really great guys. Uh, but even in his last fight against Volkanovski, I think of Volkanovski pretty highly as an MMA wrestler. He took him down a bunch of times because <laughs> he uh, he had this cool interplay where uh, I mean, Volkanovski was pressuring really well and like level changing on his jab and using that uh, lead like roundhouse uh, yeah. to the body, which was a really cool look. Um, yeah, but Mendez was uh, like really content to counter for some reason. Uh, but his counters were awesome. Like he was uh, getting around Volk's guard really well, and he was also going body counter really well. And uh, Volkanovski wasn't really ready for a lot of the entries uh, of Mendez. So the way he like turns the corner and finishes the shots—that's one where he was a lot more traditional in his finishes, yes. where he was going yeah. going ahead finish and like it was leading him to more. Uh, I don't know how to describe it, more like transitional grappling positions. Yes, where like exactly. Yeah. He's getting it and then Volk's out in his hips and he's pushing away and yet now you have to like scramble with Volk, which isn't really a great look. Yeah, which ended um, up biting him in the butt it, made him work yeah, harder than he, work. he probably wanted to, ideally. Yeah, but the thing that I can't factor into this that I really want to is Mendez's mat wrestling is actually very, very good and people always trash Mendez because like, oh, he's this great takedown artist but he doesn't have good jiu-jitsu and that's why he didn't like win titles. The reason he didn't win titles is because he was fighting the best defensive wrestler in MMA history. One, two, his mat wrestling is great. It's just very uh, his jujitsu isn't totally incorporated. Right. Uh, but if you look at the finish versus Ricardo Lamas, that is some of the best like folk style riding. Yes, with yes. ground and pound I've ever yes. seen. Yes, that life. was really good. Freaky because he's holding him down with one hand. He's got one hand on the back of his head. Yeah, he's in the, in the referee's position. And he's just like seamlessly transitioning between like punching under his arms, chopping the arm, breaking him down, breaking him down, keeping keep on the hip, switching over the other hip, punching him, and he's finishing him while he's putting on this very clinical folk style ride. And I'm like, whoa! And so if you consider that a transitional position, I'll throw it in. But yeah, Mendez had it all as a wrestler and as a fighter. Uh, I think super highly of him. Our Discord uh, chat for the fight site, which is one of like our Patreon benefits. Uh, the main chat server is a. Uh, 179 Chad does everyone. It's like UFC 179 Chad. Jesus. It's the one that fought Aldo too. But yeah, it's it's like we uh oh in the the name of of the patron. So if you sign up for the Discord, you're you're a Chad. You're a Patreon you're Chad. Chad. Uh, and you have it in your name in your name is green. So I like worship Chad Mendes. There's no way he wasn't making top two on this list. Uh, uh, that's <laughs> funny. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Lens fight. That was because that was his 30% Usman fight. Like he would have the flu on that fight. That was the flu um, game, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, totally. Like I, could, I mean, his MMA career. He's having a fight. You know, black belts like from Cub Swanson to like Javi Vasquez. Like, yeah, you're not gonna venture off into the jujitsu. Doing backflips on them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Ed, we got about 
10 or 11 minutes left to cut through the rest. So we'll, 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 we'll speed up. We'll speed up this. But no, that was a great, uh, great, great, great uh, shout on on Chad Mendez there. So my number two, which will serve as my number one, and then we'll get to your number one after, sir. Um, I don't know. I'm curious about the same person. It's like. I have this person on the list and I'm going to get crucified because it's like, how can you have this person on the list and not have this other person? Which is true because, but, but then I would have to have that other person ranked above this person because that person beat this person. And that is code talk aside. Daniel Cormier is my number two to my adjusted number one. I know you you might, you might throw some stones at me here, but (laughs) again, this is, this is, uh, this is my not top five list. Okay. Not only that, but, um, (laughs) but no, uh, honestly, um, you know, as far as defensive, uh, we're highlighting defense. You're not really going to find that with Daniel Cormier. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be boasting about his defense at all here. Um, he could show up in the clinch, but the guy who uh, the guy who beat him will probably show up there, folks. If you're wondering why he's not there, and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet on him because it's not that he's not worthy. He absolutely is. But Daniel Cormier, not just because I like him more, uh, but because <laughs> it, you know, you know, from from you know, favorites of mine, Josh Barnett, Josh Barnett, you know. Tossing him, tossing him in the air in that Strike Force Grand Prix, you know the the, the high, you know the, those high crotch uh, hikes, you know, li- lifting people in the air like that. That's all great and grand. Um, and then watching, you know, just what he was able to do to Greco Roman stand out Dan Henderson again. You want to talk about upper body? Upper body's not used enough or emphasized enough. But some guys, even my favorites, even some of the best Greco best wrestlers. We're almost too much upper body, right? This is even though I yeah. love Dan Henderson, that's why he's not on this list. And you see DC, who initially came from, and. This is just me waxing here and 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 pontificating, you know, prognosticating. But like, it's like you could say that maybe from starting off Greco at a young age, DC did, and then going yeah. into the later's and building in a freestyle at the world level, he was able to pick up on those things. So not only can he match, you know, Dan Henderson with the upper body, how is he abusing Dan Henderson in that match? And I know it's an outmatched, outsized Dan Henderson. I'm not taking it too yeah. literal, folks. But it's it's a beautiful sure. match to watch as far as DC wrestling because you're seeing him in close, the little foot play, the foot trips, and things that he can pull off from that level uh, that were just brilliant. And, and just you know, just just watching his you know his flow, um, the way he parlays the wrestling into striking with that first Stipe Miocic win, as far as giving guys underhooks on purpose or when to take the underhooks. You know, um, and I know we're not going to be getting too much into a clinch. Uh, you know, clinch fighters, but I loved it. And then also with the wrestle boxers, not that DC, I want to limit him to just that stereotype. Excuse me. Wrestle boxers in general, um, and we see it with Stipe, right? They tend to get a, a single leg snatch. It tends to work really well because you're slipping. It kind of fits into that, you know, that release right. valve of pressure, if you will. You can kind of slip extra low and snatch a leg if they make a, a mistake and go close enough. And run and run the pipe, if you will. And, and you talked about uh, pipe running. This is where we re- return to that talk. And we don't yes. see it a lot. We don't see it done well. And sure, maybe there's guys that, that, that do it with a cleaner technique than DC does. But I would argue that whatever things you could pick apart technically, I think DC does for a reason. Because I would argue the technique of a snap down, single leg, uh, you know, running the pipe, if you will. I believe that technique alone, much less, especially the way Daniel Cormier does it, encourages a get-up that opens up some opportunities in MMA, Ed, as far as people that, unlike Derek Lewis, 
who know how to tripod. Derek Lewis can make that ski slope, right? He lays the trap. He's like, go on and uh-huh. take my back. And Daniel Cormier was smart. He knows that. He didn't take the bait. He didn't go front headlock to back take. Did he know? He goes high-low. He goes front headlock to ankle pick. He wasn't taking that Derek nice. Lewis trap. However, when he does do single legs, you'll see people... The way he almost like turns them in the momentum, he won't follow them to the ground and like sell out. I have to pin him now off of this. He'll let them get up and allow that th- them to open themselves up by getting up. Whether he wants to put a put a leg in there and ride, or ride without the leg, just kind of do a side ride, or take the back. DC is not beyond taking the back, and it's all set up from 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 his from his wrestling and his understanding of reactions. He can get mm-hmm. lazy with certain things, uh, as a lot of the greats and teachers tend to do. Do as I say, not as I do, right? There's definitely a lot of that with DC, but overall, thematically, it's one of the it's 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 one of the uh, most fun wrestlers uh, to watch. So he makes my number two, Justin mm-hmm. number one. Yeah, I I think that's a good it's a good shot, and I figure a lot of people would have him on there. I'm just so obsessed with the uh, the interplay of how you get to those those wrestling situations. I don't think he's always the best at that. Yeah, um, that's probably yeah. where he falls short. Also, AKA has this uh, habit that makes a lot of their guys basically neutered as far as back foot wrestling. Like, if you want to be a reactive shot artist, yes. don't go to AKA because of their the way that they teach striking defense. It really puts you out of position. Uh, DC still pulls it off a bunch of times where he's in no position to be wrestling with anyone. He has these really dramatic like sweeps his head all the way under to get to these single legs and his finishing mechanics and his like footwork on the finishes for those singles still awesome like really nice footwork like some of the best you'll see like those singles he was hitting on like roy nelson those were really beautiful oh yeah uh i did i did like a little highlight video for uh all his takedowns in his career when i was writing for mma Saka and like within that article i did a big thing about his credentials so I, I have a lot of respect for for cormier's wrestling and uh it's very deep and one of my favorite things he's ever done is a. Uh, he went inside trip from over unders uh, in strike force. It was against like nobody. Uh, they were near the cage. He went inside trip, which is my article today was about uh, how John Jones had used the inside trip to get to a cage position on Machida and fell into the double and then and then double him off the cage. But uh, DC went trip to the cage and then as they bounced off the cage, he like pushed him in and let like there was that give when he hit the cage, especially with heavyweights. They bounced off, and on that, that that new momentum of the guy pushing him in, he's like, "Oh, I can push you forward." He lat drops him. So there's this nice inside trip lat drop combo that like you would never see in wrestling because you don't have the cage there. Uh, he was doing cool stuff like right away. Uh, yeah, like super great chain wrestler, scrambler. Uh, like can can keep an exchange going. Uh, his understanding of cage wrestling offensively really good. Defensively. The only time we've really ever seen it uh, against Stipe, too, and uh, against Jones after he was super tired already, and he seemed like to lack some awareness of like stance. You know right. what I mean? His stance totally. was really narrow, and that's why Jones took him down. Uh, but I think that was more of a factor of what was happening before that because they had that yes. like basically three rounds of striking before that of him getting kicked in the body. So I don't blame him for not being at his best <laughs> as a wrestler at that point. But, yeah, I think DC is a good, a good shout. Cool. Thanks, so That's just man. why he didn't make mine. All right. All right. And not to push the action along, let's get to your number one. Close out the show, man. You're the cleanup hitter. Close out the show. (laughs) Cool. Just quick, quick mention to a few of my my honorables. Uh, I talked about him a lot. Michael Chandler, uh, really, really awesome wrestler in MMA. Uh, Great entries on its own, but if he doesn't get his entry, he's really good at like switching off the front headlock and coming back and forth between the shot and intermediate positions and keeping exchange going and chaining. Uh, I think Alvarez, too, is a really good fight to look at for for the wrestling of Michael Chandler. Also, just freaky athlete. 
Uh, so, so big ups. Also, he had that huge back arch on Ben Henderson. You got to love that. Yep. Uh, somebody who's uh, – oh, Demetrius Johnson. I, I really wanted to, to mention because I wanted to talk about it, but I, I had too many people to talk about. Just oh, you know, an artist of, of getting to those cage doubles as well um, and good in open space, obviously, good scrambler. And somebody who does not deserve to be on the list right now but who I think might be on track to end up being like one of the great MMA neutral wrestlers and overall – Peter Yan, he is really coming along as, as an MMA wrestler. It's weird to say. And uh, I got a friend, uh, Zach Goldrosen, who uh, wrestled at Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania. And they had someone on the Thai national team who trains at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, and he's been wrestling with Yan. He's like, this guy got good really fast. So <laughs> shout out to the Hickmans for training that Peter Yan. Uh, and I wrote an article about how he's been incorporating his striking and wrestling together. Uh, but that's somebody I want to be able to say on this list eventually. He's just not there quite yet. Uh, but yeah, my number one, I've, I've said this on record before, so it's probably not a surprise to that many people. Uh, my number one is Jose Aldo, which is probably controversial because he didn't exactly brand himself as a takedown artist. Uh, but I mean, when you just consider wrestling from neutral, I think defense is at least half of it. Um, and nobody has ever been better at defense <laughs> as far as wrestling goes in MMA than, than Jose Aldo, save for two lateral drops, one against Jonathan Brookins. Uh, and the WC. Oh, and yeah, Marlon I remember that one. Yep, at yep, Phantom yeah. White. That made me so angry because I just finished gassing him up as a defensive wrestling against Latcher up by Marlon Rice. Anyway, Jose Aldo's defensive systems, uh, amazing, very simple. Basically, just his stance uh, made it so doubling him is very, very hard because he can't really reach his far hip. And just the way that he's able to pivot really favors the, the lead side hip. Um, so basically everyone has to finish singles on him yep. and he's really good at just understanding that I can just raise your single with a wizard I can post on your head to create distance and I can turn and limp leg out and he did that to everyone He did that to Frankie Edgar. He did that to Chad Mendez. He did that to everyone Like even the people who got like two second takedowns on him. He did it to them like his defense is incredible like very persistent grip fighting uh, you know, yep. great urgency, amazing hips, just like hips unbelievable, just unbelievable. And it's like all of this is compounded by him just being a freaky, crazy athlete, like maybe maybe more athletic than Chad Mendes. I, I might go that far. Um, possibly one of the best athletes ever in MMA. But absolutely, I think what, what it's just the fact that he's aggressively pursuing all of these very fundamental defensive strategies and they work like shockingly well. Like you watch somebody shoot down on him and it looks like they hit a wall when they hit his hips and he he can sh- shake them off so easily when he starts fighting the grips it's like his hands are you know a steel grip or something like that and the way he posts you're like oh my god how, like how strong is he just like probably as close to impossible to wrestle as you can get and in a, a pure wrestling context he did score on chad mendez he is the only yeah. person to score on chad mendez as a wrestler in their second fight uh, they go through this crazy scramble of Mendes trying to take him down, and Aldo like hits a go behind and reverses him and gets him down and takes him down. So like only person to ever do that in MMA, uh, pretty much, definitely never held down, uh, yes. almost never taken down. And uh, when he did actually try to wrestle people, I don't think he ever failed to take down a tenth in his life. Uh, he took Mark Hominick down. He doubled him a bunch of times. Uh, took down the Korean zombie, zombie off yep. the body lock and he took down Ricardo Lamas and I forget how he did it but he did take down Ricardo Lamas yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did take down Ricardo Lamas and um man I he was obviously the person I was hinting at when I was talking about a yeah. Brazilian who didn't <laughs> wrestle that that uh, the other one that almost made the list so I'm 
really glad you. I'm surprised you made number one. Not that I disagree, because again, I'm a defense fan. No matter what sport we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, and I apologize if there seems like a rush rush time. We usually don't go too far over two you. hours. I got you. But I do want to give this pick its due, and I will say one of my favorite instances is in that second Jose Aldo fight, because we could pick instances of him shutting down takedowns all day. But one mm-hmm. of my favorite instances is when he was actually taken down by Mendez, and you see this, and anybody who's done like jujitsu classes, even in a general class, has probably done this drill, hopefully at least, where you do partner drills and uh, you do side control, take turns on top and bottom, and you do the drill where uh, you essentially, it's a shrimping drill, but you're bucking your hips off the mat as you're pushing their head. We talked about head position being on the opposite side, how that's important. Ed just broke that mm-hmm. down, pushing that head position to the same side near side which becomes the weak side and allows you to get right. up you're almost using like almost like a call like a brutish collar tie variation and pushing it and you see jose aldo do that that left to right hip motion except he's doing it to chad mendez a guy who again if you've been following his career from wc to ufc when he mat wrestles guys like you said he clamps down on them and you see jose aldo just pop ba bump left right using that momentum he only doesn't need he only needs to do it like three times left to right and he's back up to his feet it's one of my favorite instances of his um counter wrestling because he has to actually get up off the mat to do it but uh hey dan what's up yep can you hear me okay should we should we, yeah should we address that uh extremely credentialed wrestlers like Cejudo and Romero are not on this list <laughs> sure yeah for yeah. either of us <laughs> i didn't even write them on my honorable mentions for that reason i wasn't no, gonna mention Cejudo because of the inside trip but like unless we're talking about inside trips i don't know what to talk about for Cejudo and wrestling um yeah. not to be a dick i mean the guy is a gold medalist but like outside of the inside trip we haven't really seen much from him <laughs> yeah his shot offense is, is great in a vacuum but he doesn't i don't think he has a setup system at all so he's not getting to his shots that often and uh yeah it's just it's just not really there for me same with romero honestly like he yes. doesn't have a system either and I, i've written and talked about that extensively and as, as far as defense goes he i suspect he has not trained cage defense no at all <laughs> no yeah so that that definitely is minus some points there totally I, i'm glad you brought that point up i didn't expect him to show up on the list before we knock yeah. out the rest of the honorable mentions let's give uh the listeners their fair shot they gotta get the first oh, yeah, uh, yeah. first scraps here donnie brook at at goon knuckles he te- he essentially just tweeted a picture of uh of mark schultz there by the way, oh, yes. uh, I went down like a Dave Schultz like rabbit hole like years ago when that I still haven't watched Foxcatcher, but I watched the Netflix documentary on the Schultz brothers. Mm-hmm. And it's probably I, better. I really dug, yeah, yeah. I really dug um Dave's like kind of unique creative freestyle, man. He was a fun guy to watch. I don't know from what mm-hmm. I saw of his, but uh he, he just put the picture of the Schultz brothers. Uh let me see here. We got <laughs> We had a lot of people taking taking the piss out of Ed, by the way. I, all, all your compadres <laughs> there. Um, shitting on your list before it even get it got out, which is which is which is great. Uh, on brand, yeah, totally. Um, Octavius Rex at the Crunch Man at Crunch the Human on Twitter. Talk about how cool Melendez versus Ishido uh, Ishida was. Gilbert there's, Melendez. Yep, there's his. That's a shout there. I had to go back nice. and rewatch it. That is a deep pull, man. Wow. I don't think like I've seen it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, that's a that's a deep pull from. I'm guessing Strikeforce days. Although Gil fought Rumble in the Rock. Even a little bit uh, on pride as far as people paying attention to that. Um, uh-huh. And let me see. Let me get another one here. Uh, Magic M MMA at Magic M underscore MMA on Twitter. Romero, who we just talked about, his his avatar is Romero. So give my man Magic yeah, some, 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 <laughs> uh, some, some 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 slack. GSP 
Mm-hmm. Khabib, again, Khabib, folks, don't relax. Uh, he's definitely going to be on my mat wrestling. I'm very high. For sure. Sure. Um, Cormier, okay, I'm with you there. Tatiana Suarez, good shouts to Tatiana Suarez. I mean, although she's more of a front headlock and Matt, I would say, like her front headlock game is mainly her bread and butter. Uh, assuming mm-hmm. it means full MMA, we mean not using the fence, I would remove Khabib. Okay, I got you. Fair enough. Interesting. Interesting. Um, ben Askren didn't make my list for the reason of because again, <laughs> if we're talking about Matt wrestlers, maybe he would be on there, but not just because the lack of offense, but something uh, you can criticize Cormier for was that entries, right? You know, the entries are for MMA context. Um, yeah, it's really rough. Uh, <laughs> before I read the rest of my list off really quickly, do you want to read the rest of your list? Anybody that we didn't mention, Ed? Oh, no, I, I snuck my honorable, honorables in before uh, before my number one, so I'm all set. <laughs> cool. I already mentioned Chael Sonnen, but, uh, you know, again, a guy just gets after it as far as being effective. Say what you will. He's committed. That's his game. Uh, and he has a couple weapons he uses to do it. Carl Parisian, he's a judo guy, of course, but he had some underrated wrestling as well. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, well, you, you know, he if you actually go back and watch his fights, it's not all traditional judo takedowns, folks. Uh, Phil Davis, uh, I have to mention him a bit, although he can really range up into mat wrestling as far as wrestlers who took to the mat wrestling goes. Um, I, I think so. I, I appreciate guys that try to get creative, just like I appreciate guys like Michael Chandler who will put the hooks in and go take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, Randy Couture is not on this list, but you bet your ass if we're talking about clinch i mean do you want to talk about striking off the break it blew me when we're talking about kamara usman which yeah. justly so and makes me want to see a rematch with him and leon edwards that much more um oh, although yeah. i would still favor usman i'm just saying i still i still want to see it um but man even going back to watch randy gator how he broke not just a typical like underhook punch with one arm but even when he broke off and stuff like he was really ahead of his time as far as that goes I'm not going to keep talking about him, uh, Nurmagomedov. I wrote Zach Makovsky, Zach Makovsky down. Uh, you know, I got to give him a shout, especially working off the single leg snatches, right? Uh, we talked about yeah. that. I, I was waiting because I forgot to mention him again because I was like, oh, I already talked about Zach, but I forgot to say that he's definitely an honorable mention. Oh, he, uh, he, he's so self-deprecating. He'll be like, oh no, like I can't, I can't hold him down. But as far as like taking people down, I don't think I've ever seen him not take someone down that he fought nope. so i think that's he's clearly top 10 nope i mentioned rashad <laughs> evans and gave him credit because he's one of the first guys you know when you're doing the head slipping and going into the takedown double legs in the mid yeah. to late aughts yeah. that trend and of course a guy who beat him as well as cormier uh, obviously john jones if i would have put john jones on the list then that means i would have to put him above cormier then i'm really playing to the mma math but don't worry john jones will be very high um let's just say on the clinch wrestling or the clinch fighting list in general. Fair. Uh, fair. Fair enough. So that's it. We're going to get out of here. We're already over on time, but that's not a bad thing, Ed. <laughs> it means it, this was a fun episode. You did a great job. And hopefully, most importantly, the listeners came away with some new information and new fights that they want to watch, right? Hope so. <laughs> oh, I hope so, too. All right. Uh, again, reminder, find Ed, Ed Gallo there, at Edward Gallo MMA on Twitter where you can find all his work from the fight site and onward. Uh, me, at Dan Tom MMA. Of course, this podcast, if you're still listening, hosted by MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, where you can go to support the show because this is free. My breakdowns, all this stuff, all free. And you can go support it there. Uh, you can go on it. Amazon, we're all using those, right? Get your proteins, get whatever the heck you're going to get from Amazon. You click through MixedMarshallAnalyst.com first, and you're able to uh, get whatever you need and Support the podcast at a no percentage. There's also a donation link if you want to go straight up that way. But I'm a bad businessman, so I'm not going to make you do it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on YouTube. If you're there, subscribe to the channel. Give us the five-star ratings and review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on the old iTunes. Thanks again, Ed. Any last words before we get out of here? 
Yeah, support the fight site. We're still growing. Uh, give us your money also because we need it. Thank you. <laughs> hey, no, serious note though. S uh, support the work in any way you can, whether it's even if you can't afford like clicks or shares, like anything. They really do good work there. Uh, they, they deserve it. Even if you can do whether it's a couple bucks to sharing, you, you, you won't regret it. I really respect the work you guys do. And not just you guys, just in general. I mean, you talk about people wanting to get their start as far as that goes and this and that. Like, you guys are complaining about, like, quote-unquote clickbait or what stuff, like, the bigger sites put out. Well, I'm a part of some of those bigger sites, and I see some of the analytics. And, again, the best way you can vote, folks, is with your dollars and uh, or, or clicks in this case. So support good stuff like that. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. And always... Protect your next.